bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free. Unlike those other talk shows that want to charge you for their websites. So enjoy. In fact, uh, one of the main features of the site actually allows you to influence the stuff we'll talk about on the air. Uh, you can submit show prep suggestions, news articles, videos, and stuff. Stuff you find online that you think other people that might enjoy. The other people that listen to the show might like. You submit it to our website, and then other people get to vote it up or down, as do you. And then the most popular stories make it to the front page of our website. And there's a particular story that is there today that I do want to talk about here in a little bit when we get a chance at the top of the uh, the page last time I looked. And it's pretty uh, it's pretty tough to deal with. It's it's pretty sick. Have uh, the both of you seen this uh, the dog murdering video? Yeah, it was um, it was taken from the perspective of the of the police coming yeah. into the house. It's crazy. Now, Wayne, have you seen this? I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. All right, tell you what, we'll uh, pull it up for you during uh, one of the breaks. You can find it top of freetalklive dot com. It was also blogged over at freekeen dot com. Uh, it's Hitting pretty big in the Liberty community, and it's pretty tough to uh, it's pretty tough to watch. We'll uh, we'll get we'll get to it here in a bit. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. First, your phone calls, Ryan. To start things out in Texas, you're on Free Talk Live. The Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Ian Wayne and Mark. How are you guys doing today? Ryan, what's on your mind? Hey, well, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the different forms of activism: the inside the system, outside the system, and you know, I hear you guys talk about them all the time, and um, get a lot of different opinions about what's better and what has value and what doesn't. And just wanted to throw my two cents out. Go for it. All right. So I, I, I look at it as three different types of activism. You have one, the politicos, um, you know, the guys that are totally inside the system. Two, the, the civil disobedience that you guys talked about a lot. And then three is just your, your general, uh, you know, not necessarily militia type, but, you know, gun wielder line in the sand drawn from my cold dead hands kind of guy, right? Mm, okay. They're not necessarily politically active nor are they civilly disobedient, but they're they're holding the line as it were. Without them there would be far fewer rights than, than we have today. Basically. How are they holding the line? Well, you know, it, because of them, the politicians have to take away the rights little by little. They have to push the line very slowly. They can't just walk around and take everyone's guns away all over the country in one day. You know, so it's a fear factor that, situation. I mean, they're, they're, they, they are instilling a certain level of fear in the, uh, in the bureaucrats. Right. So, I mean, that's why, you know, it, it, it takes, you know, 200 years to, to get to the point where we're at instead of, you know, 50 years. Oh, no, it, but, it took about 50 years. Um, the, when it comes to guns, it, uh, you know, the, uh, I believe I was just talking to somebody about a guns right, gun rights case that will be attached to the end of the show. And uh, it was the Miller versus whatever, um, the Supreme Court case. The Supreme Court was actually saying that, in fact, uh, the average citizen had the right to have machine guns in 1939. So things have changed dramatically since uh, 1939. So I don't know that I necessarily believe that there is uh, the, 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 the Second Amendment guys really do very much at all. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they have a lot of organizations, I, and, and, you know, there's some litigation that goes on, that kind of thing. But I don't know that, 
I don't know the government's real scared of you guys. That's if, if you're one of those. Uh, well, I mean, I, I own a gun, but I'm not, you know, and, and, and I do, of course, have my line in the sand when the when the Nazis come around to take my guns, you know, you know that's that's when I, I die on the hill. But, really? Well, I can tell you that uh, after Hurricane Katrina, they went around and they had the National Guard in the streets going door to door. And they had the uh, the California Highway Patrol and the other cops that had come out there from other places. They had them all going around and engaging in gun confiscation. And they didn't really seem to come up against too much resistance. Uh, I don't remember hearing any stories, in point of fact, about how uh, there was anybody that was actually doing anything to, uh, you know, to physically defend their so-called right to bear arms. There was one guy who threatened to do so, and I believe they left him alone. So I think to some extent, maybe what you're saying has some veracity, but on the other hand, they did successfully steal guns from people, no problem. Yeah, I would be the crazy lawyer on the porch saying, you know, you're, you're not taking it unless I'm dead. You know, that'd be me. But that's beside the point. That's, that's kind of getting away from the what I was trying to talk about. Okay. Um, but with, as far as the, uh, the political... Activism versus non-political activism. You see the, uh, I hear, uh, you know, Ian talking about how there's, you're not going to get it through politics. And I hear Mark, you know, kind of gone away a little bit from the civil disobedience, saying that it's just not as effective. But I, I see that they both are needed hand in hand, and that you can accomplish a lot more by having both of them than you would by trying to focus solely on one with, with any given number of people, you know. Um, to, like to win with just politics, you would have to have such an overwhelming number of people, you know, to get the votes needed to to carry the House or the Senate. That you know, by the time you've gotten that, you've already won. And to win with just civil disobedience, without any political allies, um, it's it's just not going to work because all you do is set yourself up as the enemy. And you know how people are when they have an enemy; all they think about is wanting to crush it. You have to pull the uh, the opposite of what the state does, where, where you say the state will break your leg and then hand you a crutch. You need the civil disobedient guys to break the leg so that the politicos can set it correctly. That analogy work. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, and I think that uh, tends to be acknowledged on this program that in order to uh, to achieve a free society, that it will likely take activism of all sorts. And I think media is another important one that you didn't mention. I don't know if you want to consider that inside the system or not, but uh, I don't really consider it either inside the system or civil disobedience. Uh, so creation yeah, media, of uh, media, I think, is another one. Yeah, media is definitely important, but it's, it's kind of like an over, it's like an umbrella over all of it. You, know, you have to have the media to, to show what all aspects are doing. Yeah, very good. Uh, gents, any uh, thoughts for, for Ryan on this? Well, I was thinking about, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, was the anniversary of Kent State. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too. And um, I I heard, I was listening to NPR, and they had some guys that were there, you know, kind of talking about it. And they discussed a phenomena that occurred, and essentially... Um, now this is this is their interpretation, but it seemed it seemed right when I was hearing it from them. Was basically everybody in the country of above thirty thought, well, those college students were shooting, were throwing rocks. I guess that they were, you know, they deserve to get shot. And everybody below is like, holy crap! The American military isn't just sending people over to fight and die for nothing in Vietnam. Now they're shooting them here too. So there were two 
sort of disparate, you know, d- desperate uh, opinions. And I'm sure the line was a little fuzzier than just 30 years old. But the um, another thing was is that many people, people in certain demographic, you know, so the, the de- demographics and in the um, sort of geography, both different different groups of people found themselves radicalized by the events that occurred at Kent State and then Jackson State, but Jackson State not as much. Kent State was a big deal because they actually shot white kids. Um, it's okay to shoot black kids um, in 1960, whatever. And um, so what they, you know, these people became radicalized and the, uh, they told many stories of people that were like, of older people. It's like, oh, well, I guess they were breaking the law or whatever. But now the ideas of those those radicalized people are the mainstream. Kent State is a tragedy. At the time, the vast majority of Americans considered Kent State to just be a police, an ordinary police action. What's the big deal? They shot a bunch of rock throwers. But now it's this terrible massacre and... I think that um, you'll. I think that what happens with the crackdown um, when it comes to the civil disobedience types and, and things like that, because it is messy. Um, it might be effective, but it, it can be very messy, especially if it's not employed properly. Is that, that crackdown will radicalize certain groups of people, and with their crackdowns, they draw more people here. Um, so I think that uh, I think they got to watch out with the crackdowns. Ryan, I want to thank you for the phone call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, Wayne. Yeah, I want to say something about <clears throat> Kent State. Is that there's just an article today, actually, on LewRockwell.com. I've got it right here. Kent State killings triggered by FBI agent provocateur. Let's talk about it coming up. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free lines. A pretty big bombshell, actually. We'll uh, we'll get to that here in a bit. And you did mention that this is the uh, anniversary this week of uh, Kent State, I believe. 800-259-9231 plus cops killing more dogs. We'll explain. Coming up. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb has given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of El Neil Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves tonight. It is Ian here. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including our listening options. We've got live streams. We've got a webcam as well as listen lines that allow you to listen in via any phone that can dial long distance. Go and get all the details. Get listening over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen. FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, we have much to discuss here, including a very disturbing story. Wayne, you were just watching some of the footage uh, during the break. You can see that at free, uh, FreeKeen.com. It's also the top, I think it's still the top story at FreeTalkLive.com of a police raid from the police's perspective, from their own video camera. We'll tell you more about what happened here in a bit. We're going to continue with your phone calls First, we're going to go to uh, Mike Buck calling from Owyhee. Hello, Mike. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there, guys. You know, I'm glad to be with you again. And, you know, I'll tell you something. Uh, we're so happy that, that Mark and Ian have joined the growing family of Nature Bee radio stations. We'll tell you about that in a second. 
Yeah. You sometimes feel like you're in reverse when everyone else is going forward. I used to, but not since I started taking two capsules of Nature Bee every day. And, uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, here is the program. Here's the deal. If you're thinking about ways to improve your health, it starts with good nutrition. So you supplement your diet with Nature Bee. All 27 vitamins and amino acids, 28 minerals, powerful antioxidants. Nature Bee, with a money-back guarantee all the way from New Zealand, is going to give your body the boost it needs so you get max enjoyment from every single day. Now, I, I certainly know about the benefits of taking Nature Bee, but what about all those people who don't know um, what Nature Bee can do for them? Yeah, and that's why we're here every single day. Look at this. Here's how it works. It goes to work on your immune system. That goes hand-in-hand hand with good health, more energy, and vitality. Nature Bee has every one of the 22 elements our body is made of, and it's natural, it's organic, not one chemical or preservative. It's not a drug or a medicine. It's perfectly safe for the whole family. That, that really makes good sense. And um, all this with a money-back guarantee? You got it, and that's why we still love <laughs> this product. Listen to this. Here's how you get it. A huge six-month supply is ninety nine ninety five plus delivery. We're going to bonus everybody listening to Free Talk Live across the country right now. Another three months, that's nine for the price of six. And all you got to do is call New Zealand, and we're going to get it right to your home. The toll-free number is one 834 8355 you can write it down. Remember it in pieces. You already know the one eight six six part. So that's eight three four eight three five five. Or you can have your grandkids hook you up online to Nature Bee's website and order that way at naturebee.com. Now, a, let me break in here real quick, um, Mike. You mentioned across the country, but this, the company's in New Zealand, so this is an international thing. We've got listeners all around the world. Can they also uh, call and order Nature Bee? Absolutely. We've got that free, that toll-free telephone no matter where you are, but you go to naturebee.com, and it might ask you what part of the globe on and direct you to that ordering site, but you bet. Across the world, across the country, everybody can get Naturebee. It's a great deal. Okay, everyone join me and call 866-834-8355 today for your Nature Bee. It's 866-834-8355, naturebee.com. All right, let's continue here. We're take, uh, taking your phone calls about absolutely anything. We go to Kurt in Michigan on the Amp Lines. Hello, Kurt. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I just uh, was listening to the podcast, and I see you picked up Subway as, a, as an advertiser on your podcast. That's correct. Oh, Subway, yes. Uh, yes. Yes, I hope, I hope you don't mind, but I gave them a call, and I thanked them. Uh, for for uh, you know getting on the cutting edge of liberty. Who did you call? Did you call the corporate office or your local franchise? I, uh, well, I went to my local franchise and I ordered lunch. And there's a guy there that I talk liberty to. He's, he's the general manager there, and we always have a good time, you know, bantering back and forth. And he's got a pretty good concept of liberty. And I turned him on to Free Talk Live, and and uh, I told him, hey, you know, they, they, you picked up Subway as a as an advertiser and. Uh, I asked them for the corporate number, and I gave them a call, and I thanked them. And I also, you know, uh, heaped accolades upon the general manager himself because he's always giving good service as well. And uh, told them that it would definitely increase my consumption of, of Subway. <laughs> that's great. I'm glad, nice. to, glad to hear that. How does that stuff work, Mark? That's uh, that's something that t- Subway probably sends a media buyer out to, to do. And yeah, Subway doesn't have the foggiest idea that they're advertising right. on Free Talk Live. <laughs> um, they, I, you know, I, I certainly can claim them because they, they are advertising on Free Talk Live, but um, it trickle, you know, it goes through their media buying agency into a brokerage uh, company that, that brokers out uh, podcasts, uh, advertisers, um, ad venues, I guess, and then that... Um, yeah, you know, so it goes through them, and they 
Subway has no idea. They're just like, we're allocating this amount of money. Go spend it. And uh, then their little branch does and and. The, our little branch, uh, you know, the broker works with our us, and you but know. good on it. But good on Subway. I mean, for uh, for yeah. getting into the world of new media, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of companies that are a little t- uh, intimidated by new media, and they're not they're not sure about how to buy new media. Free Talk Live is a is a uh, you know kind of a mix. We're old media and new media in that we are on seventy plus radio stations, but we also have our podcast. And so these media buying companies are very very used to calling and buying radio time but not so used to calling and and uh, figuring out how to get on all the various different niche or niche shows uh, available on the internet and so uh, so good on subway for being kind of a i guess a trailblazer in that in that world i was uh, trying to i was trying to get the first subway franchise in hawaii back in the 80s Wow. And, and I was in contact with the corporate headquarters, but there was a guy who had gone out to San Diego and opened the first one out in the West Coast who had Hawaii reserved for X number of years. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to get it. But I, I think it's a terrific franchise. So any well, other if they listen to their if they listen to their consumer line, then they know that they're advertising with you now. Because like I said, at least I called in and, and thanked them for it. Cool. I appreciate that, Kurt. What else was on your mind tonight? Well, well, you did a little infomercial about uh, about Porkfest uh, after after your show a couple of nights ago. Yes, and you asked people to call in about their their Porkfest experiences. Oh, that'd be and, lovely. And I got to tell you, this will be my third one. But my first one, if if what had happened to me in the first twenty four hours was all there was to it, it would have been worth the trip. And I stayed the whole week. It was it was amazing. Um, to, again, to to be with people you don't have to preface with a half hour little dissertation on what your idea is before you give them your point, you know, is, is just astounding, you know? Yeah. Freedom loving people together, hanging out at, uh, at a campground and having a good time. It's really a, yep. a blast. You guys also talked about, um, about, uh, whether or not there'll be karaoke there. And, um, and, uh, uh, Curtis was saying, well, you know, getting the, the mic and the, and the uh, the laptop is easy. It's something to plug it into. Well, you know, I'm bringing several thousand watts of PA, so Ooh. you're going to have something to plug it into. Great. Well, uh, I I don't know what I Curtis's... don't know. The karaoke's beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Curtis's email is, but I'm sure there's a way to get in touch with the uh, the Pork Fest. I tell you what, if somebody brings a karaoke, well, nice karaoke setup, I'll do Purple Rain by Prince. <laughs> <laughs> they know. They know. They know I'm bringing it. That's for sure. We've already set it all up. So fantastic, great news, Kurt. Excellent. Appreciate hearing from you tonight, and I thank you for the phone call. Uh, I need to get me. What I really need to get is a, a nice purple sequin pantsuit, and uh, then I can, you know, that'd be awesome. Rock the purple rain. <laughs> the Porcupine Freedom Festival is coming up. <laughs> a flan wig in a matter of weeks. Uh, it's the end of June, the twenty fourth through the twenty seventh, Thursday through Sunday. That's the official. Uh, run of the event, but it actually technically starts early because people are arriving the mo- that Monday, uh, or in, in some cases even earlier than that. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. You can go to porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com to learn more about that. The 2010 Porcupine Freedom Festival coming up. Kent State police killing dogs. We're all over the uh, all over the place. We want want your calls about anything as well. You can make them. It's free talk live. 
This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice Brain Development and Juicy Juice Immunity Fruit Juice Beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. We're inviting you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, giving you the features for free. That's the way a good talk show website should be. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. But it still costs us money to run the site. So if you want to help us with that, with those costs, there are various different ways for you to support the show. One of them is by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You just start your shopping experience through that link, and you can feel extra good because uh, you're getting the stuff you're looking for. It's Amazon. You know them. Uh, It's just that Free Talk Live will end up getting a percentage of Amazon's profits. And it's more than just a percentage. It's it's a fairly good amount. Uh, I think it's seven to eight percent, depending on the amount of volume that we do. So if we don't do that much volume, then it's around the seven seven percent range. If it's a fair amount of volume, then it's uh, it's eight percent. Electronics, I think, is four percent. So it's uh, I I really appreciate Amazon and the fact that they are a really awesome internet retailer and they've got such a great affiliate program. And then I certainly appreciate you, uh, the listener, for going and ordering your stuff through Amazon.freetalklive.com. It's a nice additional uh, little revenue stream for free talk. Live. Again, that's Amazon.freetalklive.com. Your phone calls are the primary element. Uh, if you make them, coming up, a very disturbing video. Uh, Wayne, you've watched most of it, I think, at this point. It's awful. And we'll talk more about that. But let's go back to the uh, let's go back into the past here and talk briefly about Kent State. You mentioned a Lou Rockwell post earlier, Wayne. I've got it pulled up here. The Lou Rockwell blog. From Lou Rockwell himself, posting, thanks to a friend who works for the government, who notes we now know that an FBI agent provocateur fired the first shots at National Guard soldiers who then killed four students, we're talking about Kent State, according to newly declassified FBI records. He uh, points out that those killings 40 years ago and the killings of 57,000 U.S. soldiers and at least 3 million Cambodians, Laotians, and Vietnamese, whose names are not on a wall in D.C., were the fruit of a monstrous war of aggression. That war started by Ike, escalated, and then de-escalated by JFK, and massively escalated by LBJ and Nixon, is one of the many blots on the U.S. government's escutcheon. How many people has the militaristic U.S. killed in its hundreds of wars and hundreds of years? Yesterday, uh, he points out that he did a protest and he show, uh, with an author of JFK and the Unspeakable, Why He Died and Why It Matters, he shows what, that Kennedy was killed because he turned toward peace after the Bay of Pigs so, and then so turned away from the CIA, the Joint Chiefs, and the Merchants of Death. He, the speaker, was a retired religion professor at the University of Hawaii and founded the Catholic Worker House in Birmingham, Alabama. So apparently coming out information that shows that Kent State was basically all a setup. Yeah, you know, um, the 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 National Guard would claim claimed that they had been fired upon, mm-hmm. and nobody amongst the students was like, "That's ridiculous." Yeah, right. I mean, how college students? Where are they going to get armaments from? I mean, they, they, they do claim that they threw rocks. 
But when you look at these situations, um, the the most of the situations, the um, the military guys are, you know, they're a hundred yards away. So uh, th- these had guys had fixed bayonets. It's not like the college guys were were right up on them throwing rocks. The college guys were way far away throwing rocks that fell, um, you know, well well short. How many college kids threw rocks? Some. And do we know they weren't agents provocateurs? Well, one guy, mm-hmm. one right. guy claimed that um, I believe something happened. I think this was after the sh- uh, the shots were fired um, that he in fact picked up a handful of gravel and threw it. I mean, he was mm-hmm. you know he he was afterwards. right there on the radio. Um, so, so claiming it was afterwards. Well, because, it's, it's always hard to, to to pick these things out. Well, and and you know we don't have we they didn't have back then the technology that we have today that allows multiple video cameras to be present at at events like this. Certainly, that's one of the things that's likely keeping uh, violence from uh, erupting on a scale like Kent State. Thank goodness. Right. You know, back in the 60s, it was really the first time in my lifetime, really, in, in ours, that the, the, the America was coming unglued at the time because of the criminal Vietnam War, because of the Kennedy assassination, which a lot of people suspected was not as was stated in the media. And, and so uh, I remember how turbulent it was, even though I was a little kid. And uh, there were a lot of dirty tricks being played by our government. For example, provocateuring at, at peace protests, because this wasn't the only one. There were a lot of them that back in the 60s and early 70s where they were using provocateurs mm-hmm. to stir up violence. COINTELPRO was really active back then, that whole program, which is still active today, some people claim. So all the, all the dirty tricks that have been played over time to, to allow these people in power to basically um, grab more power are all being exposed now, which I think is interesting. And I think it's really interesting that now whenever they commemorate the anniversary of some event, whether it's Oklahoma City or, or Kent State, the new information's coming out now because you have whistleblowers, and it's actually kind of putting a rain on their parade in a sense to commemorate these these events as if these bad people did this. No, it wasn't these bad people doing it. Well, it's certainly an interesting story and not really a surprise because the provocateuring still goes on today. Absolutely. Uh, there, I remember a story about, and, and we've we've shared a number of them over the years where there's firm evidence because of video and, and other other things, people's testimony, that there are provocateurs in a variety of different protest right. venues. There's no video for the Kent State um, situation. And this is this is the kind of thing that, you know, they could get away with so much more because well, how many news agencies were there? There were some major newspapers. The minor newspapers, of course, got most of their stories, their national stories from the major newspapers. And uh, there were a few, uh, you know, major television networks. And that was it. And... You know, they all sort of towed the line and did the same, you know, delivered the same kind of news. I don't know if these people are paid off. I don't know why the ma- the mainstream media is, um, you know, doesn't deliver news like this. I have no idea. But the fact is that they, <laughs> there's so much stuff coming out now that, uh, you know, people have their own video cameras and they can supply. Look, real evidence. And there's real evidence out there that the, prov- the provocateuring occurs. Right. And the video cameras, in many cases, can catch, uh, capture it. They'll capture people who look like cops that are dressed up in street garb as yeah. opposed to police. But they're wearing like their boots. But, yeah, <laughs> but they've been, right. They, they are caught on camera wearing jackboots, uh, basically. <laughs> and they've got gray hair and they're built like football players among college kids. Yeah. Uh, so. So there was one story, and I think it was some protests that were a few years ago that were fairly large scale, that were very peaceful. And then the cops claimed that somebody threw a bottle at us. And so they used that excuse 
to go in with their their tear gas or their uh, their, their batons and uh, and even so even though there is video around they're still aggressing against people they're still hurting people. I remember the situation Kent State with the guy on NPR. He said he started he threw gravel after they threw the uh, they shot in the tear gas. Okay, um, so they shot tear gas at the at these people, and I'd rather them shoot tear gas quite honestly than uh, shooting bullets. Um, but you know, they did that too. Yeah, so so that's usually what the excuse is. They'll have somebody who's in the crowd who's either a advocating violence, who's trying to act as though Come he's on, on everybody, the side. let's have a riot. Whatever. Yeah, you know, let's throw stuff at him or let's, you know, flip get over him. the cop car or whatever. You know, they just have break this windows class? in town. How do they get how do the cops get uh, trained in how to provocateur? I don't know. It's a good question. I'd, I imagine I'd, I'd, love, to, sort of I'd love to, you know, hear this, hear about this. Well, class. I've, I've seen myself on the news for years <clears throat> how they'll have some big protest somewhere, whether it's Seattle or somewhere in Europe, and they always say anarchists, and they show these people dressed in black, throwing mm-hmm. rocks and and stuff. Anarchists, so they, they want to make anarchy look like chaos, right. and that's one way that it's, it's perpetrated in the media. It, it, it absolutely is, and I think it's unfortunate for the term anarchy. And I actually, Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com has come up with a brilliant T-shirt that. I think really nullifies the negative connotations of anarchy, and I'm I'm somebody who says on the air that I think that the the word anarchy is broken, uh, that it's not something I want to apply to myself because of the connotations of violence and and chaos, uh, chaos and lawlessness. But anarchyinyourhead.com, they've got a brand new shirt that says "Hug me, I'm an anarchist" or something. I don't know if I got the phraseology exactly right. I don't have it in front of me, but it but putting the word "hug" together with an anarchist. Uh, is, I think, a, a way to nullify the yeah. immediate negative connotation. So I think he's done a brilliant job with that. Anyway, anarchyinyourhead.com, you can go and learn more about it. So there's a lot of evidence out there about these government provocateurs. In this case, Kent State, the evidence coming out uh, because of declassified FBI records. So their own documents admitting that this was what was going on. And there's sometimes whistleblowers who are about to die who are coming out now. There's a point I want to make about this. And we'll come back with that here and take your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. As I recall, there was news about the Kennedy assassination uh, last year as well. So there's a point to be made here, and it has to do with conspiracy theory. It's Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Just dial in via the toll-free number and take control of the airwaves. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site for free. In fact, uh, those features include our news updates. You can get signed up at news.freetalklive.com. You can get our emails. You can watch us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. All three of them if you want. It's all free for you. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get signed up. That's news.freetalklive.com. According to newly declassified FBI records, an agent provocateur fired the first shots at National Guard soldiers at Kent State 40 years ago, who uh, the Guard soldiers then killed four students as a result because, well, if somebody's shooting, then they must all deserve to die. Uh, they, they, well, I mean, I, I think that um, one needs to take, uh, you know, uh, needs to be clear that 
you know, it's, it's the commanders of these organizations that brought them out there. Look, if you put me with an M1 Garand, um, you know, on a line and say, mm-hmm. hey, look, if you don't get on this line, we're going to court-martial you and throw you in jail. So I might get on the line. I'm just dealing with some college students. And then somebody starts shooting. I, I It would not surprise me at all that somebody decides to return fire if, if they feel like they're being fired upon. You've got to remember what it's like to be the guy in that situation. It's one thing if you're one of the, hoo-ha, I'm going to go kill oh, I'm people. Not saying it's, I'm not saying it's easy, Mark, to deal with anything in that situation. I'm sure everything that is in the hands of those uh, Kent Staters all of a sudden became a gun to the uh, the men with guns that were watching them, or the, they got real paranoid. But the men with them. guns at that point, that's the job. That is really the job of the National Guard. That what is what they're supposed to do. They're to supposed to be there. college kids? Riots and uh, you know, terrible things that are going on. They had no expectation that, I mean, college kids, they had no expectations this was going to happen. If the, if if there was a government provocateur that fired on them, that's the problem. It seems pretty. Sl- I agree with you that that's the problem, but their methods seem pretty slipshod, just uh, spraying bullets into uh, okay, a crowd would, of people. What would be the motivation of having a provocateur? Maybe to incite violence, because then they can show the the National Guard cracking down, so that they can show me, me, master, you slave. Mm. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> and that's I, happened a lot. You know, that, this is a this this one piece we're talking about is just a small little piece of, of history that is, is, is part of a big cycle of abuse that we're still living under now, and it's getting worse. So well, the point I wanted to make about this was, first of all, it's, we already discussed how outrageous it is, the idea that the government people put some violent agitator in a crowd of peaceful people for the purposes of giving the government people, the, the enforcers who are there, whether it's the police or in this case the National Guard, for give, to give them a reason to engage in violence upon a, a crowd of, of peaceful people. Yeah, the mor- it gives them the, the, what they believe is the moral high ground. That's the outra- That's one of the outrageous parts about this, and it's, it is common and it still goes on today. There were but college what- campuses back then that were, there was protests everywhere, and maybe they thought, maybe somebody somewhere in some office thought that by doing this you'd make other college students maybe uh, less willing to go out and protest. Just a maybe thought. it was. Yeah, that's a good question, Wayne. Is how far up do these decisions go? Uh, who who makes the decision to put an agent provocateur out into a protest of uh, of this sort? Is it somebody in an office, or is it just the you know the sergeant in charge of the the group that says, "All right, now you boys, you go out there and you stir it up." And I don't know how does it actually go down when they're doing the planning process of uh, who decides to do this. Well, if a provocateur is shooting at police or doing something that overt, mm-hmm. to me that's premeditated. No, that's, I agree with you. It's yeah, premeditated, but not how just far a, up the line is it premeditated? Right. That's, it, that's just not a mistake uh, by a commander making a bad decision in the field. That, right. And they want to. They want to smash heads. They want to to do violence. Uh, not all of them, but the, those who are sadistic want to, and so they put their people out there to stir things up. And 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 we've seen it over and over I, again. So the point. I think I, that there's. Yeah, I think there's a difference between the guy who's on the national guard and gets uh, you know sent out there to do that, and a SWAT team member. I um when a, you know a person who goes on the SWAT team probably gets a few extra bucks for being on the SWAT team, but my experience with uh, law enforcement and I've I've seen guys that are on these um these these teams, and yeah, those are the guys that want to crack heads. I mean that's they're they're really they're into there. it. Yeah. yeah, high testosterone. So the point I wanted to make here though is that this has come out. This information has come out from the government's own declassified documents, the FBI's own files, according to the Washington Post, and here we are. Here's clear evidence, clear, crystal clear evidence that back then there was a conspiracy to uh, stir things up at Kent State, result in violence, 
crack down on these college kids. It's outrageous news. So this should be it, right? I mean, this should this should be enough to uh, to convince the American public that the government is really out to get them, uh, and that uh, the government is doing evil, and that they're uh, they're hurting pe- people, and and that the government is evil. Here's a, here's a, a true conspiracy theory for you. Okay, no. this is going to change everything, right? No, it's not going to change anything. What? 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 Why? This is this is a bombshell. This is huge news. No, I, nobody cares. The whole story has changed. I mean, the, the uh, everything that people might have su- suggested was true is is true about uh, about Kent State. I mean, this is this is huge. This is the linchpin. We have finally found the linchpin that will cause <laughs> the government to crumble down upon itself, and the stormtroopers will finally drag Darth Vader and the Emperor in front of the uh, the Senate, and they will expose them for the evildoers that they are. I think there's a growing number of people in this country that that doesn't surprise at all now. Think think about how far and wide and deep the rebellion is today compared to the '60s. In the '60s, it was mostly the college kids. Mm-hmm. Today, it's the it's the high school kids. A lot of high school kids right on through college and into their '50s and '60s. I mean, it's just it's so much more pervasive today. And hearing something like this, you go, "Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense." I remember hearing something about the JFK situation last year, and I don't remember all the details because it was that important to me. Right? I saw it and I thought, "Oh, okay." There's some evidence that there was, uh, you know, CIA involvement or, or whatever it was. Somebody came, somebody came out on their deathbed and basically said, yeah. E, yeah, E. Howard Hunt. Yeah, and, and confirmed yeah. that it was some sort of governmental uh, assassination, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah, governmental ev- time. evidently, uh, I've even heard some interviews with his son, and, and evidently his son claims that, that his father put together an assassin team back in the 50s for Tricky Dick Nixon when he was vice president under, under Eisenhower, and it was an assassin team to assassinate foreign leaders, but allegedly it was used... Uh, to get Kennedy as well. So, I mean, that you could you could pawn off what I was saying earlier about Kent State by saying, well, nobody had any conspiracy theories about Kent State. It was just a minor thing, no big deal. But the JFK but assassination... But Kent State was really pivotal in mm-hmm. um, the American anti-war movement. Sure, uh, sure. But, I mean, know, on the history it, of... It uh, isn't as zippy as uh, the, the JFK assassination because everybody felt... The assassination of our great Jack Kennedy. Right, where were I you? remember where I was right. when they killed the greatest man in the world. Right, you know, so there's all know, that surrounding it. Bull and, crap. And, yeah. and yeah. it was it was a president. And I agree with you. But uh, so so let's look at that one here real quick. I mean, so the information comes out that the government's actually involved in that uh, guy killing, you know, dying on his de- deathbed uh, comes out with that information. Another bombshell. Bam! It's out there. Uh, clear, crystal clear evidence that uh, there was something going on. That the conspiracy theorists were. Uh, some of them, because there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the uh, the JFK thing, that uh, at least some of the conspiracy theorists were absolutely right, and the government was involved, and still nothing has uh, has changed. And so my point here being that uh, it doesn't matter what happened. We know by now that the government is doing harm. We know that they are aggressing against people. We know that it's true that some of them conspire to do nasty things. We conspire to come on the air and talk about liberty. We do. We do. But my point being that people call this show and they talk about this 9-11 thing as though if they can just show the American people the truth behind 9-11. And I don't know what that is, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know if both sides are, t- are wrong. I don't know what, what the real story is. How can anybody? But if the real story comes out 20 years down the line... We're already just about a decade out. Declassified documents come out that say George Bush and Dick Cheney and their buddies were behind the uh, the 9-11 thing, so it was an excuse to build the police state, etc. If all that comes out down the line, 
do you think that's going to change change it? The police state will still be there. Right. I just, <laughs> it's, th- all you have to do is look at all of the declassified stuff and all of the tyrannical things, the rounding up Japanese right. Americans. I mean, you name it. You, you, what, what has, what would have to happen there is suddenly, you know, America says, wow, that's an important issue to me. Now, 9-11 happened almost 10 years ago at this point, mm-hmm. and it's just not that important of an issue to most Americans, I'd have to say. So that's an important issue. I'm whipped up. I'm going to take my gun, and I'm going to demand from my politicians that they, they, they hold the people responsible for responsible. And I just, I just, I just don't see it. So it's, it's just you've a gotta, You've got to talk about people about things that are happening today now, right. and that affect them emotionally. It, right, because otherwise, and that's why we've got this story about the dogs being uh, killed by the SWAT team. We'll get to that here in a little bit at 1-800-259-9231. But I just think it's so futile for people to be uh, trying to spread the ideas about this so-called 9-11 truth. It's just as futile as somebody out there spreading ideas about a uh, JFK assassination conspiracy theory. It's that... It's either of, I think both events are as meaningful to the average American today. One and that and that means not very. Not very meaningful. 1-800-259-9231. And plus, even if you do convince people on the, you know, the 9-11 truth thing, even if some sort of truth comes out, how's that gonna change the government? How's that gonna result in the government being less tyrannical? It never has. Free talk black. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features totally free. So enjoy those again. Freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch. That's freedomsphoenix.com. As we continue, Ian, Wayne, and Mark here in the studio taking your calls about anything, going to Keith in New York, still to come, we'll talk about a video, a disturbing, sick video of a SWAT raid that's not uncommon. Uh, we'll talk about what happened there. It involves killing dogs in front of babies, uh, in front of children. Anyway, Keith, uh, first, in New York, on the amp lines, you're on Free Talk Live. <laughs> How's it going, Ian? What's on your mind tonight, Keith? Well, 
I'm just uh, trying to think of some interim solutions. I'm a Free State Project member, but I can't make the move for at least a year and a half, so I'm down here in New York City until then. Okay. And uh, I've been doing the writing letters to Congress critters, and that feels like the biggest waste of time ever. Thankfully, Downsize DC makes it convenient, but it still doesn't seem effective at all. It it doesn't, um, but I mean, I, I guess the idea of the Downsize DC is uh, that if they can just get enough of those letters go to, go to these people that, that 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 will make a difference. So it may not be yours. I guess it's the idea that that your your drop adds to the the flood they hope to create. Well, certainly, Once and I do the same thing. About a hundred of their uh, sending off the letters. It it feels like you get a real sort of response from the representative. I mean, before that, it's just a consolation. Thanks for sending from an intern. But I have gotten a couple back that they actually seem to try and draft an answer. Though again, it's probably an intern. Yeah, but, uh, I haven't uh, so gotten any, any experience in, like that. Florida, what were you finding yourself doing as activism? I realize you were quite self-starter. So, what was that question for Mark or, or myself? I'm sorry, uh, Ian. What was I doing for activism in in, in Florida? Yeah, that, that was he. He's looking for something to do in the interim before moving for the Free State Project. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you don't want to do anything that's going to be too risky because you don't want to deal with uh, having court cases and uh, impossible jail time uh, wherever you are. And the things I was doing was outreach, uh, mostly outreach. I was going to, I, I think I mentioned this earlier this week, but I, I was going to, uh, tell you what, we've got to, we're going to punch you down here for just a moment as we speak to you because something's funny with your phone. All right. So what I was doing was, uh, doing, uh, setting up Operation Politically Homeless booths. And Operation Politically Homeless is a program that was come up with by the folks over at the Advocates for Self-Government, which is an excellent group. And I highly recommend that, uh, recommend them. They've got a lot of great books and audios and, uh, stuff that you can use to hone your communication skills. Lots of good ideas about how best to talk to people about liberty. That's what the advocates are there for, is to help you be a better communicator of the ideas of freedom. So go to theadvocates.org, theadvocates.org. You can sign up for their uh, their semi-monthly, that's twice monthly, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You can sign up for their uh, semi-monthly or bi-weekly uh, emails that they send out. They're great. They are. They've got uh, thousands of over. I think it's over sixty-nine thousand subscribers to it. So it's one of the biggest emails out there in the Liberty community. And there's all kinds of useful tips and information in there from people like uh, Dr. Mary Ruart and others who are uh, respected folks in the Liberty community. But they uh, they sell this kit called the Operation Politically Homeless Kit. And if you're in college, you can get it for half price. If you're just the average person, you pay something like 100 bucks for it. And it comes with everything you need to do Operation Politically Homeless, poster size quizzes. And if you haven't taken the quiz, uh, the world's smallest political quiz, you can go to quiz.freetalklive.com. That'll take you to the Advocates website where you can take that quiz. But basically, it's uh, the Operation Politically Homeless uh, booth is you administering and your volunteer friends administering the quiz the world's smallest political quiz to whomever it is that happens to be at wherever it is you decide to set up the booth so whether it's on a, a college campus or as i did at uh, i did them at gun shows i did them at a gay and lesbian pride fests i did them at the county fairs and i had success at all three events and as you might imagine most of the responses uh, because if you if you're familiar with the quiz when you get your score there's a diamond chart and uh, libertarian is the top quadrant uh, authoritarian statist is the bottom quadrant the left quadrant is liberal and the right quadrant is conservative there's also a center uh, centrist area as well 
Mush. It's the mush in the middle. As you might expect, at a gun show, most of the respondents were libertarian and conservative. At the Gay and Lesbian Pride Fest, most of them were libertarian and liberal. Uh, but none the, none the, And the county fair was all over the map. But uh, I, I had a blast doing this. And it's a great way to, uh, to get the ideas of freedom out there, to get the quiz into people's hands, to get and them when thinking. Sc- when people score libertarian, um, you, can, you can talk to them about the Free State Project. There's a trifold that you can get at uh, mm. freestateproject.org they, yes. uh, where you can actually print these up and then sign, send us, you know, sign people up for the Free State Project right there. Because I don't think telling people about the website is nearly as effective as saying, hey, let's get you signed up for the Free State Project now. Um, See, that's something you can do. You can, you can use Operation Politically Homeless to identify liberty-minded people and then pitch them with what other, other, whatever other organization you'd like to, uh, to represent. So when I first started doing these, I was doing them for the Libertarian Party before I got fed up with them and, uh, and moved along. Uh, but doing them for the Free State Project works and whatever other thing floats your boat. So pretty much it was, uh, it was outreach. Does that answer your question? Quite thoroughly. And then uh, just one quick question. Um, I found myself, every time I start a discussion and move it towards liberty, um, I'll usually want to push the person towards Free Talk Live so they can finish the rest of the journey on their own or you know, hopefully continue it at all. Mm-hmm. Not so a bad I idea. Decided, uh, if they have a smartphone, it's easy enough to do the Facebook and get them to the fan page, but not everyone does. So I printed up and I went to Vistaprint and printed up some basic. Uh, business cards with Free Talk Live and the Liberty Radio Network on them. Oh, great. So I was wondering if there's any uh, critiques to what you would like on them if this continues. And it's up to you, man. Whatever, whatever you think will work best with your audience. Uh, I, I don't care. You know, you, you guys can go out and make your own flyers. We have pre-made flyers at promote.freetalklive.com that you can print out. Uh, and fill in some blanks if you have a local radio, like a local radio station that you can listen to uh, the show on, as some people do in their areas. Uh, but you can also use our graphics. We put our our own graphics, uh, show logo, the the font that we use for the show logo. All of that stuff is up at promote.freetalklive.com. So those are ways that you can you can use to to create your own flyers. And I don't you know I don't oversee this stuff. Uh, if somebody sends me some of the their flyers, it's like great, thanks. You know, appreciate you doing that. Sure. Do whatever. Do whatever Fair you enough. think is going to work best. All right. Well, All right. have a great night, guys. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you, and good luck out there. And one of the things about doing outreach like that, for me at least, uh, was it was a real good growing experience for me, uh, having been and still am to some extent uh, you know, a little more of an introvert, I think. Um, it's I may not seem that way when I'm doing a, a radio show, but one of the things I, I don't like to do when I'm out and about is talk. Uh, when I'm in a in a group of people, first of all, because I feel like well, people hear me enough. Uh, if they if they listen to the show, I get 18 hours a week to uh, to speak my mind, and so when I'm out, I typically am silent. Yeah, uh, I don't. That doesn't affect me the same way. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm not I'm not silent. I'll talk. I talk to people when I'm out. It's just that's just that's how I was. Right. I was uh, an introvert, and getting out there and going and doing these events really helped me uh, break out of that shell. It really helped me. I mean, I I was, not to toot my own horn too much, but who else is going to? Uh, I was more effective than everybody else yeah, doing those true. Operation Politically Homeless booths. The average person that I would get to help me out with those booths, and I appreciated everybody that would help out, but first of all, it was like pulling teeth trying to get people to come out and, and work at them. And then when they came out and uh, and did it, actually some, showed up. <laughs> some were better than others, uh, but mostly it was they would stand there 
And then when people would come up to, they'd pass by the table, and if they would happen to stop, that's when they would go ahead with the, okay, here's this quiz, here's what we're doing, da-da-da-da-da. I was actively like you know, like a carnival barker, uh, like uh, bringing Hawking people. your liberty Hawking people in. You know, Hot th- dogs, yeah. Throw, throwing it out to them. Hey, you know, have you taken the world's smallest political quiz yet? And, you know, things like that. Pitching, essentially, yeah. people as they were walking by. And, of course, you're going to get a lot of no's because people, you know, for whatever reason, they're busy. They're doing things. They're off going somewhere else. They're and, scared of booths. People yes. are, it's funny how they want to go through we'll the area with the booths and they're scared moment. of them. It's free talk live. <laughs> This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Think of anything. Take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including our shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing their listeners of this program. You can become a Shriner, ladies, if you would like. It's not a beauty contest. It's just something to show you off to prove that Free Talk Live actually does have uh, ladies listening because the talk radio industry is typically seen as a male-dominated and male-oriented uh, program that is listened to primarily by males. So uh, that's kind of the purpose of the Shrine is to disabuse people of those notions for this program. Shrine.free freetalklive.com Oh, hey, I didn't turn your mic on. How about that? My, my, my mic wasn't on? Nope. Now so it is. My wife uh, wanted to teach, wanted to get one of those uh, baby reading um kit kind of things uh, that, that have been advertised all over. Uh, there's one very popular one, and, and she researched it, and she found that a lot of people had problems with it, especially in the area of uh, returns, and that they didn't stand behind the product. And so she wanted to get something else, and, and we ended up getting uh, the kit at babyreadingkit.com, and my son, Jack, has just been bananas about this. He doesn't want to see any other videos. Um, he doesn't. He, he wants to do the flashcards that come with them. He picks them up, brings them to, to me, and and says, read this. He wants his mom to do them. Uh, you know, he's he's just bananas about them. I, we've we've certainly seen a huge result as far as language with him. I'm not willing to say that he he can read after two months of doing the program, but um, I, I've seen big results, and your child can have big results too. Go to babyreadingkit.com. It's worked for my family, and I think it'll work for yours. Babyreadingkit.com. All right, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So we just got off the phone a moment ago with Keith in New York. He was talking about uh, what to do in the meantime between now and when he's going to eventually move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Of course, the Free State Project, a a movement of thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all coming together in the same place in order to get active for freedom. But not everybody can move tomorrow. So uh, between now and whenever it is you can move, what can you do in the meantime? And I suggested doing some outreach with the uh, the Operation Politically Homeless booth, which is something I know real well. I've done a lot of it uh, over the years. And uh, that's an easy thing to do. It's low cost. Actually, well... It's low cost to get the booth. It may not be low cost to get into the events where it might be most effective to set up the booth. But you can also set it up at a 
flea market if you want to, and uh, that's fairly fairly low cost. So, uh, gun shows for me it was like seventy bucks for a weekend. So you get to go in on both days and you have your own table. Uh, the the county fair was incredibly expensive. That was like seven hundred dollars, but it was a nine day event and twelve hour long days or fourteen hour long days. So, How about farmers markets? There's a lot of those in the summer. That's a good one. Yeah, anywhere people are gathered where they're not in a hurry. So you want to find places where people are, uh, you know, enjoying themselves and they, you know, they're not trying to rush from one place to to another. That way you can actually reach out and and uh, and, and bring them over to to interact sure, with you. Sure, that's the whole purpose of booze. Exactly. So uh, that's one of the things you can do. But what are some other ideas maybe that uh, that you could, that uh, Keith could engage in uh, in New York? The Empire State while he's waiting to move to New Hampshire. Well, there's always promote.freetalklive.com where we have uh, all kinds of ways that you can promote Free Talk Live. And Free mm-hmm. Talk Live is an extraordinarily effective way of, of, of telling people about the ideas of liberty. It's true. With the Operation Politically Homeless, you can identify people who already have some ideas about liberty, and some of them may really even understand them. Some may just sort of be, be sleepers that you have to educate a little more. Um, but Free Talk Live is, is very successful in bringing people who may be conservative or liberal, not so much authoritarians, I don't have much hope for them, but maybe, um, you know, on board with the ideas of liberty because, well, it's not you. It's difficult for one person to another to do the education thing. It's much easier from the standpoint of them listening to the ideas because, well, you know, they can't derail you and and that kind of thing. So um, Free Talk Live, extraordinarily effective. That's a good one. Uh, Wayne, any ideas? Well, uh, in what regard? Well, what can, what can he do uh, besides outreach, besides uh, spreading Free Talk Live? What are some other things that he might be able to do while he's still in New York and, and you know, not, not put too much of his butt on the line, basically, as far as activism is concerned? Well, I think that you can talk with people. You can start to get an interesting conversations. Uh, for example, Mary Ruart's book, if you have certain people that you might think are inclined to that, rather than trying to educate them and talk with them right out loud about everything and trying to, in, in five minutes, hand them a book mm. or lend them a book and so they have to give it back to you. Then you can talk with them more about it. I absolutely that, agree with that's that. That's very useful. The other thing is maybe you might find a video or an audio, a podcast online. You can burn a CD of it and give it to somebody. How about Penn & Teller's BS or John Stossel's new show, Stossel? These are great tools that you can use. And uh, I, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know what Penn & Teller would say, but I know John Stossel says, hey, put my stuff out there. You know, put, put my shows out there and get people seeing these things because it's so important to get the message out of course we feel the same way put free talk live out there uh maybe reaching out to schools with the school sucks podcast we were just doing that today we had uh we've been doing high school and middle school outreach here in Keene, uh where we'll go out and unfurl the free Keene banner and hold it and wave at the kids as they're you know being taken (laughs) out on the school buses so we get hundreds of eyes on our our banner Every uh, we go once a week, so we're there on a regular basis. And just today, we started adding a, another sign. So we actually had three people out today instead of the normal two. The third guy was holding a "School Sucks" podcast sign as the school buses. We got a couple of uh, yelling school bus drivers at us. Uh, one guy gave us the <laughs> thumbs down. They they didn't like that very much. There ought to be uh, a law against that. But as you might imagine, we got a fairly positive response from the students from the School Sucks podcast sign. So that might be an idea, uh, you know, so to reach out to different uh, groups. And, of course, younger people are more likely to make a move for the Free State Project, more likely to absorb uh, the ideas of liberty. Fully Informed Jury Association, that's one that you can do uh, where you are, providing you've got more than just you. If you've got a friend, then you can do Fully Informed Jury Association outreach. That's where you go to the, the local courthouse, find out when 
they're going to do jury selection. It's fine to go to the courthouse and just hold and hand stuff out any old time. That's fine. That's what some people do. But if you really want to be effective, I think, this is just my opinion, uh, as a fully informed jury activist, to reach out to people and explain to them what jury nullification is, the idea that as a juror, they're the final check and balance on the government and that they absolutely have the right to uh, to vote not guilty, vote their conscience in the jury box, they can say, I, I this guy's not guilty. Yeah, okay, clearly clearly the evidence shows that he committed this so-called crime, but I don't think that should be a so-called crime, not guilty. Jurors have that right, and that's a very powerful form of outreach because you could save somebody's you could save life. somebody's life. You could save them years of their life, uh, lives from being stolen from them uh, by successfully reaching out to the right juror, which is why targeting the actual jurors or the potential jurors is the best thing you can do. It's nice to hand out the flyers for Fiji to anybody. Okay, fine. But if you really want to get, uh, you know, invest your money in flyers and then get them into the right hands, you want to get them to the ones that are uh, going to jury duty, going to the selection process, and hit as many of them as you possibly can with the Fully Informed Jury Association info but you don't want to do it alone because you will become a target from uh, the different court security officers or sheriffs or whoever whatever uh, armed agents might happen to be in the area of the courthouse but otherwise it's a real cinch you go out you've got you know a hundred flyers 200 if you're depending on how big your city is but you've got a bunch of flyers you stand out in front of the courthouse during the time the jurors are supposed to show up for the selection process and you just offer them to everybody that walks in don't ask them if they're a juror just offer it to everybody so even if they're the court bureaucrats that are coming in that way they can't accuse you of you know tampering with the jurors just offer these flyers to everybody and a whole bunch of people will take them and they'll learn about what jury nullification is so again uh maybe a little riskier than uh, Quiz outreach, but not really. If you've got people with you, you're pretty safe. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Talk live. You can bring up anything. Toll free number 800 259 9231. That is 1 800 259 9231. And that number is brought to you by SACL CAI. Joining you tonight, it's Ian and Wayne and Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program, there are ways you can help us out. We were just talking a moment ago uh, to Keith in New York uh, about what are some of the things you can do as a liberty loving person. To, uh, to, to, to get the ideas of freedom out in your local area, perhaps you can't move immediately to New Hampshire and join, you know, join the Free State Project and move immediately. Uh, you want to do something in the meantime. There are a lot of things you can do. You can do outreach from uh, the – you can do uh, Operation Politically Homeless from theadvocates.org. That's a great thing to do. Fully Informed Jury Association, FIJA.org. I didn't give the site out. FIJA.org. Great website. Lots of resources, flyers, brochures, things like that. 
Those are two easy ones to do. Uh, we've got our own flyers at promote.freetalklive.com. But you mentioned, Mark, that Free Talk Live is a real good tool uh, to get the ideas of freedom out to the masses. And I was thinking one of the one of the, the other things that you could do is call your local talk station. Uh, not just not just in, on behalf of Free Talk Live, not just to call to say, hey, you should take Free Talk Live, which you should do that. You can go to local FAQ, localfaq.freetalklive.com to learn how and get some tips. But, I mean, also call your local talk radio shows. Uh, local talk radio can be very, very popular, and they've got a loyal following of, of listeners, these local hosts do. To some extent, some are more liberty-oriented than others. doesn't matter how how oriented the show host is to liberty what matters is can you get through to get your ideas on the air uh it's a big issue and if you can depending on the size of your market the ideas that you're going to put out there are going to reach a lot of people in fact the free state project particularly there was somebody that called uh, a boston talk radio station within the last few months and mentioned the free state project on the air on what uh, you know a show run by some statist but there were a tremendous amount of signups that came from that one guy calling a, sta- a station in a major market like that. So that one mention of the Free State Project connected with the people that were waiting to hear that message. So calling local talk radio might be another way to uh, to get involved. And creating media as well as something else that, uh, that you can do. Starting your own uh, podcast or maybe starting a, a local cable access show if you've got a cable access channel in your town. Taking the opportunities that are uh, present there. So I think we've uh, suggested some, some good ideas here. And if you've got some you want to add to this discussion, we'd love to hear from you. What, what is it that people can do? In their local area. And I think it's regardless of whether or not they're free staters or whether or not they're going to come to New Hampshire. Because... If you're going to stay where you are, you certainly have an interest in... Right. The ideas uh, of liberty need to spread everywhere. In reaching out. By the way, I wanted to add one quick one, Mm -hmm. and that is develop a small email list among people you know and trust where you can share articles back and forth and and, and YouTube videos and things. Educate each other, and then all of you can can branch out further from there. Absolutely. Let's go to your phone calls. And ladies first, Shannon in Mississippi, unless it's a guy named Shannon, I'm not clear. Hello, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Ian. It is a guy named Shannon. Okay, well, anyway. Yeah, you still there? Yeah, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, there's a lot of things on my, uh, on my mind tonight. Excuse me. That's all right. What's uh, on your mind? Go ahead. Yeah, you still there? Yeah. I'm having mm-hmm. a little problem with my cell phone. You sound you fine. So, yeah, you sound fine. Just go ahead. Okay. Hey, I just want to talk and let everybody know. This stuff is on CNN, Fox, ABC, and everything. It is a complete... I mean, catastrophic lie to anybody. And if anybody, I'm not sure what you're talking uh, about. Hold on, you said this stuff stuff is on CNN. What are you referring to? Well, the stuff is on CNN about this Times Square bomber and all this kind of stuff. You know, they they're telling us he's from Pakistan. He's done all this. He's done all that. But how do they how do they get him on an airplane? How do they get on the news and tell us? It's a plot bomber that's going to destroy New York City or blow up something in New York City. I don't understand where they're coming from. And then they cut the news off, and then they show us this oil leak. And we know we know that everything is set up by the CIA. The leak is coming in. Well, I don't know if that's the case. Nothing. We hear nothing about the illegal aliens. So wait a minute. Well, you hold know, on. Hold on a second here. Before you before yes, you get all into the the uh, the immigration issue, because we'll definitely have it out with you on that one. But uh, before you get onto that, 
is this the conspiracy theory that's floating around about the the oil leak? Uh, is that the CIA was involved somehow? Because you said that we is. know this, don't and you? I don't know. I have no I have no belief system about it. I, I understand that there's a, a leak and that there was an accident, an explosion, and uh, I don't know of anything else beyond that. This is the first I've heard of this particular uh, theory. So how do you know it? You said we know that the CIA is uh, is behind this. What? what uh... Well, I mean, if you listen to Obama with his little uh, thing here on TV right now, the old Riley Factor, you know, there's you know, there's not a few things on this human care bill about. What? There's a few things. No, there's a hundred things. Does that have to do with the CIA uh, creating the oil leak? Can, can you, are you listening to us on your uh, on your computer? No, sir. I'm listening to you on my cell phone. On the, on the cell phone. Okay, I thought I heard the show in the background there. Uh, so you're you're kind of all over the map here. Uh, you haven't really given me any idea as to why you believe the CIA is behind the uh, the oil leak. Is it just a you know like a paranoid conspiracy why theory? Why Obama send SWAT teams out? What? Yeah, it's a really good question. Why did Obama yeah. send SWAT teams that's to a, the? Uh, that's a little strange. To the yeah, uh, yeah. the oil platform. That's weird. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't even know about. I, that. I heard that. Uh, what are they going to do? Shoot at the the ocean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. or, or nationalize I mean, the oil industry? Well, what else knows? can they do? I mean, stuff. that's what they have at their disposal. Yeah, they might as well send out a troop of guys in clown in a clown car. I mean, you know, <laughs> what were they going to do? Know, maybe he said that to make I'm him think that right now, he's on I'm the case. I'm seeing right now all these checkpoints set up with the uh, military and everything like that. But why would Obama take over? And let me say this. If you've looked at it, Barack Obama, uh, Barack means, uh, what is this, likes? And then Barack means likes. And then Obama, it means from the heights. And if you look in the book of Hosea, it also says straight from Satan. What is the book of Hosea? Is that a religious doctrine? Hosea is is a book in the No, look it up. It's the truth. It's a book where? In in the Old Testament. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, Oh, he knows. So you're you're saying what now? That Obama is an agent of uh, the devil? I'm saying, uh, Mm -hmm. Mary Sapporo, a.k.a. Barack Obama, yes. And if you look it up, was George uh, Bush, just a point Bush. of clarification, was George Bush also an uh, agent of the devil, just wasn't as obvious because his name was just regular? No, I'm not saying that. But George Bush, if you look it up, when he was at Skull and Bones, he was, his nickname was Magog. And that means servant. <laughs> How did you find that uh, out? Yeah, did, did some of the Skull and Bones guys tell you that? Did, did Gog tell you that? or Geronimo Skull did. Thanks. Geronimo Skull. No idea. I don't know. Allegedly, the Skull and Bones, ha- somewhere way back when, they stole Geronimo's skull, and they were being sued over it by Geronimo's descendants, and, and how, it's all kind of crazy. How but. would you know? I mean, if the Skull right, and Bones is a secret, if the, right. if the Skull and Bones, Shannon, is a secret society, how would you find out what George Bush's name was? How would I find out what George Bush's skull? Yeah, you how, know, you, how would you find that out? Right. Did somebody leak it out? Let or me or ask you this. Yeah, I'm going to leak it out. Do your you know? research on history. Every time they have breakfast, lunch, or dinner, they bring out plates from Adolf Hitler. Wow, 
that's uh, that's who does? pretty spooky. He, I think he means the, uh, the the skull and bones. Skull and bones. So did they only start after Hitler was around, or was this organization around before that? Because I, I, I understand that it's a much older organization. Who did they on, on whose plates did they dine prior to Hitler? Mussolini. <laughs> what? <laughs> Were they around the same time period? No, I know. I'm kidding. Thank you for the call, no. Shannon. Appreciate Napoleon. it. Napoleon. I'm, I'm still a little confused, but I don't want to go any further. Thanks for the call. <laughs> 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and I fail to see what the relevance of what George Bush's secret society name is. It's Magog. Whatever. It means Eight, something bad. 800-259-9231. They're both the heads of the most violent organization in the world. That's all that you need to know. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there. They are free for you. freetalklive.com. And one of the ways you can support the show is by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. We were talking about how this show, getting on to more radio stations, is a good thing because it allows new people who've never heard real liberty-oriented ideas, real principled ideas, to come across, to just randomly encounter them when they're scanning the band on their radio or when they're getting in their car and they're turning on to their favorite talk radio station in their local area. We've got over 70 stations, 73, 74 stations now. Uh, just 74. Got more coming in now uh, as well. Yeah, it's, it, it's getting to be so many that we it's hard to keep track. And uh, so getting on more stations means more new ears hearing the ideas of freedom. So you can help us do that by becoming an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. And you get success stories like this. So I just want to share this. I got from a a brand new amplifier. Somebody who – and most of our amplifiers are people that have – that are internet listeners because the internet listeners to Free Talk Live are – well, they're not – uh, if, unless they're listening live, they're listening in the podcast, they just aren't hearing as many uh, commercials. So becoming an amplifier is a good way to kind of pay for your internet subscription to, uh, to Free Talk Live, even though we give it away for free. Uh, our, our radio listeners are listening to all of our commercial breaks, so they're hearing our, our advertisers, our wonderful advertisers. And uh, so normally when you get an, a new amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com, somebody who's sending in as little as three bucks a month to help us market this show to new radio stations and get on uh, more internet connections and bring new ideas uh, to new people. So uh, when you get those people, they tend to be from the internet listener side of Free Talk Live, even though our radio listener side is much larger. We've got you know hundreds of thousands of people listening on the radio. We've got a few and thousand. And they're paying by listening to the, uh, uh, the ads. Right, right. But we've got a few thousand listeners on the internet, but yet most of our amplifiers are from the internet. It's rare that we get one from the radio, but here's Happens. one. This guy came in with 25 bucks a month. He says, I found Free Talk Live because my radio was already tuned to WFTL. That's our uh, Saturday affiliate in South Florida. Yeah, no, not Tallahassee. Oh, That's yeah, WFLA. Oh, uh, WFLA right. is in South Florida on the East Coast over in West Palm Beach. 
And he says that uh, my radio was already tuned there as a matter of habit. The first show I heard by chance intrigued me, so I went and Googled Free Talk Live. Because I'm only able to listen to you guys live on the radio on Saturdays, I became a regular podcast listener for free. I now download your podcast and listen to you every day at work. Although I'm not totally on board with an anarchist society, you have convinced me that government is a violent force and needs at least to be limited and accountable. He says, I do see a need for a limited central power. I always thought that the federal government would fall with a violent revolution. You have showed me that violence is only responded to with more violence. You know, Thank you for that. I really appreciate all that you do for the liberty movement. And, you know, I don't disagree that um, maybe it's necessary to have a small, limited government to uh, to keep the peace and to, um, you know, to have a society that grows and prospers. Maybe it's not. I don't know the answer and I wouldn't presuppose that I do. Um, I have a I have a I have a guess. And my guess is that it, it's likely it does, um, at least in the current iteration of how society works. But. You know, I also don't uh, propose to know exactly how the future is going to go. So that's why I, you know, I'm, I'm for voluntary interactions whenever we can have them. And the most important issue to me, as far as it goes, is peace. So anyway, I just wanted to share that as a, a radio success story, not only because he found us and decided to give us money, which is great, but it's just as an I example. Like that part. Uh, just as an example of what's happening out there. Remember, the guy that just sent us that email is a percentage of a percentage, if not a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. I mean, he's he's somebody who found the show on the radio, stuck with us, liked it, went, listens to uh, the podcast, found more, got more on our website, decided to uh, to pony up and email us his story. So we don't know how many people are out there just coming across the ideas of freedom and having the same kind of mindset shift, the paradigm shift uh, that uh, that he has had, that he has probably just begun to have uh, as well. Because it's, it's all a lengthy process of coming to understand where you are and where you want to go. And, and, and as he pointed out, he used to think viola- violent revolution was inevitable, and now he believes in peace. I mean, that, how powerful is that? That's a, that's a tremendous shift, a huge change for somebody who was just, prior to finding our show, another conservative talk radio listener. Just listening to his favorite conservative talk radio station. All of a sudden, you know, record scratch. There's free talk live on Saturday nights, and it's like something completely different and something that, uh, for him, he listened to. It is completely different. Yeah. He listened to, and it made a difference in his life. Yeah, free talk live uh, delivers a message that's entirely different than what they're encountering on the radio. And, you know, that's what the Amplifier program allows right. us to do. Is Your to- three bucks a month allows us to find listeners like that. 1-800-259-9231. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com to help us out. And you get perks. You get access to the Amp-only call-in lines and chat room. And uh, you get the, uh, the Amp-only form. Although, really, the Amp-only chat room is kind of dead, so I shouldn't mention it. But it's because so many people are just using the regular chat. We now have a regular chat room for everybody. There was a number of years where we didn't have that. Anyway, go to amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks, and it helps us out. We go to uh, your phone calls across the pond to Ziggy in the U.K. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Hi, guys. Ziggy, what's on your mind tonight? Right, we're having a general election here. Uh, um, in a few hours, the polls will open. Um, I have a question for you. Um, it's unclear as to who's going to win this election, and one of the reasons is that the pundits reckon that a third of the electorate still haven't made their mind up. Um, that tells me a lot of people <laughs> are very fickle and are sheep, basically. 
Well, um, it could mean that they they think their options stink so terribly badly that they uh that, that it doesn't you know that they just don't know. Now, funny funny enough, there's been record um, levels of people registering to vote um, this this time round. Hmm. Um, so they reckon that the turnout's going to be quite high. But there have been people who have, have been, uh, you know, saying, no, nah, I'm not going to make my mind up until I get into the, the, the polling booth. And it's kind of like, <laughs> how, how, can you, you know, how can you make a, de- a decision on who's going to govern you, you know, in, in a split second like that? It is. <laughs> it does seem odd to me. I don't make my decisions that way. But, um, you know, I I don't know. It's worrying because it, it, it seems to me, I, I, I've often reckoned that a lot of people I've known in the past have swapped their votes from uh, the government uh, in power now to uh, the government in power later, um, as in they'll vote for the, the devil they know, mm-hmm. or they'll vote for the front runner, they'll vote for a winner. Yeah, that's that's um, really funny. As if your vote matters at all um, when it comes to that, when... You know, I don't know how it works there in but England. But you feel like a winner. But it's so silly. You know, if your guy wins by 100,000 votes or 100,001 votes, it doesn't matter. You might as well vote but for the one you like. But then you're on the winning team. No, you're not. Then you win. You win. You can Just lie about it and say you did. It's, well, you have to stop the evil it's, team. It's, it's joining a bandwagon, basically. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I reckon. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's that whole animal mentality of running with the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do... Do you think so? And it worries me that people don't, you know, have principles which, you know, they base their vote on. You know, they're, they're going to go, oh, I'm open-minded, you know, to all possibilities. And that does worry me because I do know that in uh, Nazi Germany, some of those who became the most fanatical Nazis started off with having, you know, no politics whatsoever. Mm. You know, no principle. You know, and they got brainwashed, basically, because they were so open-minded. And I think it, when it comes to politics, sure, you, you, you should have principles and be flexible upon those principles to a certain degree. But, you know, you should have principles nonetheless. You know, and I would prefer people did have principles because I, I want to know where people are coming from. And I think one of the, the problems we've had in this country is we live in a post-ideological um, situation where the parties sort of swap around their, 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 their political views. You know, you used to know where each party stood and then, you know, things have, you know, have sort of evolved into a state where, you know, a party is shouting for one thing one moment and then they're shouting for another thing, mm-hmm. which you didn't completely expect them to shout for. You know, they just want to stay, they just want to be in power. Whatever will get them out reelected, sure. Well, in this country, Ziggy, as you know, probably know, at one time, the Democrats were the warmongers. They got us into World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and then it shifted and the Republicans became the warmongers, although the Democrats pretended to oppose it, but then, of course, they secretly uh, supported it, too. Right, because so, Obama certainly is uh, as warmongery as, uh, as Bush. Oh, he's out bushing Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Zig, for the call. Good luck out there. Appreciate hearing from you, as always. Uh, 800-259-9231. I'm sure whoever wins, the people of the United Kingdom will lose. Yeah, that's that's, that's a foregone conclusion. And that's just it. The people that uh, that vote for the winner, and they want to pat themselves on the back. My guy won! They're a bunch of wieners, too. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose. Mindless. Unless you like the idea. Unless, to you, winning means losing freedom. Because that's usually the result of electing these people. Everybody votes and the government wins. Yep. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Hour number three is on the way. Still to come, we've got to talk about this video 
Uh, the SWAT team video that you can see over at uh, freetalklive.com. It's the top story tonight. It's also over at freekeen.com. Uh, check it out. We'll come back with more. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com into the third hour of the program, inviting you, as always, to take control of the airwaves. Dial in, bring up anything, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and you can take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. That, again, is startpage.com, as we will take your phone calls here. And then coming up, we'll tell you about an absolutely outrageous video that is uh, currently, I believe, the top story over at freetalklive.com of a SWAT team raid, which is not uncommon, where they murdered some uh, a family's dog in front of their children, and uh, we'll give you the details here in a little bit. But first, your call. Steve is in Florida to start things out this hour. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live, the Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey there, guys. Uh, I, have a, I have a strange situation. It's, it's not a big deal. Uh, I'm sure it's not a big deal, but uh, on Facebook, I created a page that's called Americans United Against the United States of America. All right. And uh, it's kind of, I don't know, it's sort of like a joke, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's it's really actually quite harmless. I I think on there, oh, well, there's the, uh, I have the don't tread on me flag. Uh, And then, uh, you know, I have, uh, I think I posted a link to one of your programs and uh, some stuff like that. I mean, there's nothing really outrageous on there, except for maybe the name might be considered outrageous by some. Are you in a militia? But, <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. And, and in fact, the only thing that was, is really in-depth uh, uh, on the page is that there was a very brief discussion between me and another person about Timothy McVeigh and how he is nothing like us. And when I say us, I mean guys like me and, and guys like you. And um, As that, in people who support it. peace? Right, people who believe in peace and prosperity and liberty and freedom. And uh, so suddenly today, I just click, I click on it once every few days just to see if there's any action on there. And some uh, woman named Claire, somebody, who had been a member of the page or a fan of the page uh, for quite some time, posted on there that that's it. She's seen enough. She now knows that we're terrorists. She saw my video, my alleged video, on YouTube, where I was calling for the assassination of Barack Obama. What? And uh, yeah, and I've never posted any. I mean, on my YouTube channel, uh, which is McDuffie Stephen, M C D U F F I E Stephen, uh, I have videos of me playing guitar and then one of me giving my dogs biscuits. And that's all it is. So she claims that I made some video of the 
threatening to assassinate Obama or calling for his assassination, and that the page was racist and that we're all racist, and that she said, that's it, the terror, the terrorism ends now. And she said that she was going to report us to Facebook and Sweet. also the Department of Homeland Security. I have just joined the group. That's great okay. news. Yeah, yeah, so we're all being reported to the Department of Homeland Security, according to this. <laughs> nitwit so uh well i would I be just, surprised if the department of homeland security wasn't already aware and had been apprised of uh, free talk lives operations uh, simply because right. we have i'm sure there's been some uh you know snitches out there that have already uh alerted them so uh, i went ahead and joined the page anyway just so they they can see me there <laughs> okay groovy uh you know and then the other thing too that i was thinking about i um you know i have this uh, uh radio show that we've talked about before but my wife and I were talking about me coming up with another kind of radio show that was something more similar to what you guys do. But frankly, I would be scared to get on the air and express my real views in a public radio station where you could find the address of it. Because if I got out there and started talking about the kind of stuff I believe, uh, I'm, you know, pretty. I, I might get sniped at walking out of the radio station or something like that. You know, I mean, I would seriously. Well, we're still afraid. here. Yeah, yeah, you guys are still there. But you're, off, you're. Nobody can get on. Google or the yellow pages and type in a, the, the call letters of a radio station and find out where you physically are located. It's not uh, hard. Right? <laughs> they, okay. they would. Right. They, they, you, know, it, you wouldn't have to have your ear too close to the ground uh, in in this town to know where we are. That, uh, I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no secret that uh, that we're out and about doing free state uh, liberty activism on a regular basis. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they could firebomb the uh, you know the entire ga- gathering of the the free staters here and take out about thirty people in uh, once if they wanted to. Or yeah, you know. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm sure it's an unfounded fear, but I mean, I know that. Yeah. My, well, my we, views tend to really annoy people, and some of them to the extent. I mean, you know, I've been online on forums and stuff, and have my life threatened. It's not that I'm sure. Sure, of that. it's it's a legitimate fear. I think I just try not to. Uh-huh. I just try not to be afraid. You know, I try not yeah. to to worry, and I try not to think about those things uh, because you know, I could I could get hit by a bus tomorrow as well, and I I don't live in fear of that. Uh, so I don't. Uh, if I if those thoughts come into my head, and I'll admit, you know, they do. Uh, those yeah. thoughts do come into my head because for the, for the same reasons that they come into yours, because you're saying things that people in many cases vehemently will disagree with. And they're crazy, crazy effers out there that are willing to do yeah. nutty things. And certainly uh, if you've seen Play Misty for me, uh, then you know that uh, the, uh, the, there's stories about disc jockeys being stalked and, and murdered by uh, nutty fanatics that are that are out right. there. But it's just one of those things where if you're going to be. Liberty oriented. If you're going to have a, uh, if you're going to take a pro liberty position and you're going to take it publicly, then you just have to live with that stuff. You just have to live with right. that as as being a possibility for something that could happen. <laughs> it uh, looks like membership has kind of jumped up on uh, the um, on Americans United against <laughs> the United States of oh, America. Uh, here. You know what? I, I I sort of thought that might happen. That wasn't my purpose in calling though. <laughs> jumped up uh, but, by three. But, That's uh, how many people are on the group? One hundred and fifty. <laughs> Four? There you go. It's a little jump. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, call three a people bump. a jump. I, I got, I got a little free talk live bump, huh? Um, but uh, as far as the fear thing, though, at least what I am fearing, and it's not like I said, it's not something that I'm just you know hiding under my covers over. But it's as you said, it is a legitimate fear, and it does lurk in the back of your mind. But at least that is something somewhat realistic, unlike the people who say, "Well, if you know you guys are uh, are, are the Free State Project, and you guys start making too many waves, they're going to roll in the tanks, they're going to drop a bombs on you, or something like that." I think that that's 
a slightly less. I think that fear. I think that the most legitimate fear is that the government will take action against you personally, not necessarily that they'll roll in tanks, but that they'll right. uh, they'll decide they don't like you and what you're doing and and set you up for something or target you. But again, I don't I don't think I try if I think about those things if those thoughts come into my head, I do whatever I can to shift my perspective. Uh, because I knew that would be a possibility when I when I when I came into this. If I didn't expect that as a possibility, I uh, I, I did expect that as a possibility, and I accepted it, and I moved into the world of activism where I could be seen and where it was common knowledge who I was and and what I'm doing. And it's just one of those things, you know. It's it's one of those crosses, if you will, that uh, that those of us who are have some level of spotlight on us have to deal with. And right. that's okay. And it's, it's thoroughly on the record that you're for peace and that you're sure. for non-aggression and that you're for... But that won't stop people from aggressing against you. Sure, but they right. can't ever accuse you of, of advocating anything different because you're on record publicly as just the opposite. Yep. Hey, thanks, Steve, for the call. I uh, appreciate that and I uh, appreciate hearing from you tonight at 800-259-9231. And I hope that, that we can dispel that fear for people, that uh, that worry, because... If you're worried that somebody's going to exact some sort of uh, violent retaliation on you for speaking out about liberty, then that's going to be a crippling fear. That's going to be a fear that will keep you in your basement, hiding out, keeping your opinions to yourself, or anonymously posting them on internet forums. And I think that there's real value in having people come out, not just on the radio, but I just mean in general, in, in their life, to come out to people and talk about how they feel about liberty. I think there's, there's, uh, it's one of the most important things that we can do as people that love freedom is to express these ideas in as many venues and as many opportunities as we possibly can. And damn the consequences, because the consequences that are coming if we don't do that are pretty damn awful. Awful. Terrible. Just look down the road. Look at what you have today. Look at the police raids that are going on in uh, Columbus, Missouri, and all across the country. We'll tell you a little bit about that here in a moment. Look at uh, the the police state that's coming down all around this country in the name of so-called uh, stopping the illegal immigrants. Security. And security and the terrorists. And, and uh, New York looking at even more cameras and uh, more technology to monitor your every single move. That's what's coming. A bigger, more oppressive police state where you might just get rounded up and thrown into uh, some sort of holding facility for your beliefs. So you might as well come out with them and try to change some minds. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Live. You can bring up anything. Just take control of the airwaves toll free at 1 800 259 9231. It's 800 259 9231. You can take control of the airwaves. You can bring up anything. And joining you tonight, it is Ian and Wayne and Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. WIKI wiki. .freetalklive.com. Now, government school is necessary to prepare young people for citizenship. 
After all, where else could a curious and creative individual learn how to be a meaningless part of a large and uniform group of dependent followers who are constantly being watched, managed, and told what to do? Is it time for recess yet? School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government-controlled education. Please visit their new site at schoolsucksproject.com to make a profile, join the forums, and help these ideas spread. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As I mentioned earlier, we're actually doing some, some, me and a couple of other activists here in the Keene area, we're doing some school outreach. We have our free Keene banners. We had one of those out today, and we brought out our School Sucks uh, poster board somebody made just you know hand wrote a, a school sucks podcast sign there wasn't a website on there it was just it just said school sucks podcast so we're hoping i guess that they go and they uh, they search for it and uh today was probably we're normally very well received when we just had the free keen banner lots of waves and smiles yeah the, the occasional angry teenager but uh, most of them are, are pretty happy to uh, to see us the ones that acknowledge us are, are fairly happy to see us not all of them notice they're busy talking with their friends on the bus that kind of thing uh, but we're we're holding the signs as the buses are coming out of the school, and so today was the first time we had something besides the free Keen banner. We had the free Keen banner and School Sucks podcast sign, and today was a very positive response from the kids on the buses. And it was actually the first day that we had somebody come up to us and uh, and and talk talk to us and say that he's seen us there and he hasn't gone to the website yet. But he thinks he, he likes what, what – his understanding was that he likes what we're doing, and we explained it to him a little bit more. And uh, it's, he sounds like a real good prospect for somebody who could come on board with the movement. No, a, a student, uh. which is really the ideal situation is to have uh, young people coming into the, the liberty movement so they can do the outreach on their school campus because we can't go on campus. We have to do it from the sidewalk. But they're there every single day, and they can do things like bring the world's smallest political quiz in there. They can you know, bring in flyers for various different things, for Free Talk Live or whatever. Do some of the things we were talking about earlier on the school campus and really stir it up. So eventually, that'll, that'll be, it'll be nice when we get to that point, and we actually have activists that are really active uh, on the school campus. Contributing to the, del- to the, to the liberty of a minor. Yeah, they actually, uh, the cops came out uh, this time around because they were uh, pulling somebody over in the beginning. Uh, when we first arrived, they'd pulled somebody over in the parking lot, and they had, like, every cop uh, in Keene out there for some reason. The guy just did a U-turn. Uh, so I'm not sure what that was about. That's t- kind of how it goes around here. But uh, but then they bring a cop. Then a cop came out, and it was actually the first time they they dealt with us in a long time. They came up, and, and they asked, what's that sign about? But they, they just they were just asking. They didn't really do much beyond that. And that was it. You know, I think that the uh, the, the school sucks just just that on a sign. Um, you school know, sucks podcast. Right. I understand. But, um, it, you know, it, those are the two words that jump out. Yeah. And, and some people think sucks is an offensive word. They think it's, you know, it's profanity. Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of on that borderline. One of the right? bus drivers was yelling at us for the, uh, the, the, the word sucks. Yeah. Offended. They were offended by it. But that's the name of the uh, the podcast. What are you it is do? the name of the podcast, and uh, sucks is a common word amongst uh, teenagers. So it, mm. it certainly, I I don't imagine it offended very many of the yeah the teenagers the probably have seen it exactly. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. The story is from Radley Balco at Reason dot com. In February, he says I wrote about a drug raid that happened in Missouri, where a SWAT team breaks into a home, fires seven rounds at a family's pit bull in Corgi. And uh, as their seven-year-old son looks on, they found a small amount of marijuana, enough for a misdemeanor charge. The parents were then charged with child endangerment. 
as uh, our friend Barry Cooper and his wife Candy were also uh, recently, they had their son stolen from them because of a marijuana charge. So smoking pot equals child endangerment, whereas storming a home with guns, then firing bullets into the family's pets as a child looks on, equals necessary police procedures to ensure everyone's safety. Protection. Just so we're clear, Radley says now there's video, which you can watch, and it's the top story tonight at freetalklive.com. You can also see it over at freekeen.com. It's horrifying, but I'd urge you to watch it, says Balco, and to send it to the drug warriors in your life. So this morning, Sam from obscuredtruth.com and I actually were invited by the police chief to go out for some uh, for some coffee. So we had some breakfast uh, with the police chief here in town. And this is one of those things that how many activists around the country are doing this? How many liberty activists are meeting on a regular basis with the opposition, with you know the uh, the status, with the people that are out there uh, operating this government? We're doing. They it may here. not even be statists, but they are the ones that are operating the government. Yeah, I mean, so they're certainly better here in Keene in many cases than a lot of places around the country. And and I told you know when we were talking with the police chief, we certainly praised him where uh, praise was due. Uh, but we had a nice, long conversation with this guy. It was a beautiful day in Keene. We were sitting outside at the, the, the local Panera and uh, had a two-hour-long discussion about freedom and uh, liberty ideas. And, of course, he wanted to know about roads. <laughs> so, <laughs> Got to be roads, man. So, you tell him about the ones at Disney World? He had a, you know, he didn't. Uh, he had a lot of questions. But, but it's okay, Wayne, because as we were wrapping up the conversation, uh, and we, of course, talked about the war on drugs with him and everything, and so we had a lot of questions, but as we were wrapping it up, we, we talked about maybe doing this on a regular basis, maybe just having a monthly uh, little breakfast with myself and Sam and, uh, and this police chief so we can get to know each other a little better over time and you know, create a relationship. Uh, this is, I found it to be a really powerful uh, experience that uh, was, I think it's going to be helpful in helping people understand on both sides, uh, you know, what's, what's It's happening. not happening anyplace else. No. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I got back. I get back home. I see this at the top of freetalklive.com, this SWAT team video, where it's from the police's perspective of these cops engaging in what happens around the country on a regular basis, a police raid on these people's homes, just a family home. This is not a drug den. There's no meth lab in the back. Just a family home. They go in. Wayne, you saw the video before the show or d- during the first break of the show tonight, and you can hear the gunshots. You don't actually see them shoot the dog because the cameraman is behind the SWAT team. Mm-hmm. So you hear them going in, the screams That's of horrifying. surprise by the, the family. And the, the screams by the dog, the, too. The, the yelping of the dog. They, they shoot one. There's one shot. You can hear the dog crying in pain. And then a few moments later, there are se- a, f- a few more shots. They put them out of their misery. Right. And apparently, the dog. Both. There are two dogs. One of them was a pit bull, and the other one was a corgi. Dangerous corgis. Now, go if you don't know what a corgi is, it's one of the little dogs. One of those yeah. cute little dogs. The, 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 the like queen of England dog. has them. Yeah. And the, 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 the corgi was not in a cage, but the pit bull was in an effing cage, and they went in and they shot him. So, it's, it was what's the excuse? It was shocking. What is the excuse? The excuse from the police is usually when they shoot a dog is that I felt like I was uh, being threatened. You're telling me the corgi was threatening you? This dog that's no larger than your ankle, you know, the height, the height of your, uh, your, the top of your foot. And then a dog that was crated. Yeah, right. I mean, if if you felt threatened by the corgi, that would I was supposed be an excuse for shooting the corgi. But what about the the dog in the cage? It's just intimidation. Yeah. These cops. 
the ones that go on these SWAT teams are all about adrenaline. They're about getting high off of the rush they get from going in and aggressing against people. And they want people to act out. They do. I mean, you know, the first oh, this thing guy's I thought reaction. is, man, you know, I, I would be so outraged if they shot my dog. I'll tell you more coming up. Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Control of the airwaves, bring up anything. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. We've got a webcam there, allows you to watch the show and listen and chat. You can get in our chat room at the same time. It's all on the same page. You can watch and chat at cam.freetalklive.com, and it's free. That's cam.freetalklive.com. But it's also, you know, costs some money to operate the cam. So MemoryDealers.com has stepped up to help us out. That's right. They uh, they offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBICs, Zenpacks, and X2s that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off of list price. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. In stock, ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. All right, 800-259-9231 as we continue here. So I was talking about this uh, this meeting that I had with the, the police chief today, which went very well. And it was off the record. We both agreed to not record it, <laughs> both sides. And I, I always liken these meetings, because it's not the first one I've had. We've had uh, meetings with a former uh, cop, uh, a, a code enforcer. I've met with a code enforcement agent. Uh, city manager. The city Distance, manager. City? I've, never had, I've never had coffee with the city manager. Those have always been more formal in the, uh, in the office style meetings. But I've, I've gone out and had you know, broken bread, if you will, with a number of the, uh, the, the, the people of influence within the, the city government here. And so we were talking with this guy, and he was asking a lot of questions about liberty and, and our views on things. And we, I think we came to a good mutual understanding, and we're going to continue you know, the relationship uh, down the road. It can only, as far as I'm concerned, it can only lead to good things. More communication uh, between these, uh, the sides, if you want to call them that, uh, I think can only lead to good things. But the reason I brought that up in general was because we're talking about uh, this SWAT team raid that you can see the video. Uh, I'm getting the story from Radley Balco at Reason.com. It's the top story. Tonight at freetalklive.com is also recently posted by uh, uh, over at freekeen.com. So there's multiple places to find this. It's the Columbia, uh, excuse me, Columbia, Missouri SWAT team, and it happened. Uh, it happened a while back, but now the video has come out. The police, their own video has been released. And it's just absolutely horrifying. As Balco describes it, uh, he says it's horrifying, but I'd urge you to watch it and then send it to the drug warriors in your life. This is the blunt end result of all the war imagery and militaristic rhetoric politicians have been spewing for the last 30 years. Cops dressed like soldiers, barreling through the front door, middle of the night, slaughtering the family's pets, filling the house with bullets in the presence of children, then having the audacity to charge the parents with endangering their own kid. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, there for a are, misdemeanor amount of pot. There are 100 through 150 of these raids every day in America. And the vast, vast majority, like this one, are to serve a warrant for a so-called consensual crime. But they did prevent Jonathan Whitworth from smoking the pot that they found in his possession, so I guess this mission was a success. He says that I've exchanged emails with the mother of the family who was home at the time of the raid and is waiting on her permission to publish her account of what happened. So we may get more information here as uh, as time goes on. But the video speaks for itself. These cops come into this home, a very nicely, it, you can see the living room, it's a nicely decorated home. This is not some crack den. Uh, they, they come into this home and they hold this family at gunpoint, terrorizing this, uh, this child by shooting dogs is his lovable dogs in front of him because just because it's a pit bull doesn't mean it's dangerous but it was in a crate and it was in a cage, cage. yeah and the, there was a corgi that was loose and they shot them both they 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 murdered these dogs the man doesn't realize what happened the guy thereafter they put him down on the the floor and of course they're yelling and screaming and you know doing their right. cop thing the interesting thing is they don't do this to the wife why is the guy responsible for the pot in the house hmm isn't that know. weird? Isn't the warrant for the, the pot and not the uh, the people? Why don't they throw the kid on the pavement? Why do they go after the guy? Don't give me any ideas, Mark. I'm not, but I'm just saying, why is it that they do that? That's a it, good question. Maybe they, they had him selected specifically. Maybe they're scared. I don't know. Maybe they have other evidence. I have no idea. Uh, so, yeah, this. So they, you know, they busted him with some, a misdemeanor amount of pot and uh, like a grinder, probably a pipe. Or something like that. This is just another example of how ludicrous the war on drugs is and, and why we have to end it as soon as possible. Absolutely. This is a war on our friends and it's a war on our family members. And anybody that looks at this and can't, if you can look at this video and not be sickened, where is your soul? Yeah. Yep. It's so awful. And we're all forced to pay for this. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be bad enough if a criminal gang was going around and kicking in people's doors and stealing uh, things from them and kidnapping them. But it's worse that the criminal gang threatens all of us with the same if we don't go along with the program. Right. You know, this is, Ian, I hate to say this, but this is by design. I mean, there are a small number of people that make a lot of money from the war on drugs. You know, they make big profits on the drugs. The people selling mm-hmm. the drugs on the streets are expendable. They end up in the prisons. Sure. And so, but the people who are the big guys on top are always there. And they, they, they're able to suck a lot of money out of a local community and, and cycle their, their, their salesmen through the prison system. And then they, they wet the coffers of the politicians and um, but it's massively profitable for a few people, and that's why uh, drugs are still legal, and that's why there's a um, a war on drugs. You know, even out in California, to that point, Wayne, even out in California, they're considering now this uh, this election season coming up, they're going to have a ballot provision where people will be able to vote to actually legalize marijuana for re- recreational purposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's great news. But there are people who are in the black market because California still has a. a Lively black market because it's still illegal for recreational purposes. The black market growers are all in a tissy about this. 
they're all upset because, well, we'll there go their money. profits. Right. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, they aren't going to be able to make as much money off of any crop of the marijuana that, uh, that they're growing. And it, it may put some of those growers out of business. Some of them, the more industrious ones, should be able to expand their operations and uh, just you know increase the qua- quantity of the marijuana that they're growing. And so, therefore, they could probably still make similar money if they get their S together and can actually start marketing their product and, and getting into the legal market. But it's easier when it's, uh, when it's illegal because you can just mark it up to whatever the, the current street value is, put it out there, and, uh, and rake in the cash. And so they're yeah. against legalization. And Growers you, against legalization. And if you're politically connected, you won't get raided, but your competitors will. And that creates less supply, and, and it makes, allows you to make even more money. Oh, since we're talking about California, I have a related story from the LA Times. It's a follow-up on something that we've been talking about here. The California people wisely decided to vote in favor of medical marijuana back in the 1990s, back in 1996 with Proposition 215. Uh, It passed. It took a while to actually kind of really take hold. It took a a good decade before the cops stopped really arresting marijuana patients and and raiding the marijuana facilities. And, you know, they finally got to a good point. Uh, And within the last three or four years, because midpoint in this uh, last decade is when they really kind of let off the government people kind of let off on uh, cracking down the the facilities so more people got the gumption up to to open their own distribution point for medical marijuana and so we saw and or california uh, saw an explosion uh, especially in Los Angeles, but all across the state, they saw an explosion of medical marijuana dispensaries as they are called. These are people that have gotten, you know, they've asked for the state's permission slip to go ahead and be a dispense, uh, dispensing location for the medical marijuana patients. And uh, Los Angeles had, uh, I think, around a thousand dispensaries until some brilliant person decided to lobby the uh, the local city, the city government there to put a crackdown on the dispensaries. Says, There's too many. There's too much competition. We're having to lower our prices. We're having to compete. We're having to, uh, you know, we, we, we're losing our customers to these new uh, upstarts that are now opening up their stores here. We've been here a long time. We are the established uh, marijuana dispensaries. And it's we time deserve to, better than this. Right. It's time to put a stop to all of these dispensaries. So they went ahead and they passed a, a resolution an ordinance that will be in effect i guess on june 7th when city prosecutors have begun notifying 439 medical marijuana dispensaries that they must shut down by the 7th of june so only about 130 dispensaries are going to be left after this they're they're slashing and burning the amount of locations that people can go to get their hands on this medicine And it's absolutely outrageous. We can tell you more coming up in moments. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, and only moments remain, but enough time for your call if you make it now to 1 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. 
can give you the features for free. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, well, one of the ways you can do it is by uh, going to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll find a whole list of things you can do. Some of them might, might excite you. Some of them might not. There's a bunch of them. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Things you can do to get this show into more ears around the Internet and on the radio. And uh, lots of new banners there, by the way. We just posted just this week um, a buttload of new banners. There's a lot of them there. Lots of different types, styles, sizes. Uh, So head on over and uh, grab a banner, put it up on your website. If you want to help promote Free Talk Live, go to promote.freetalklive.com. So the news is out of the L.A. Times where shops are being ordered to close down medical marijuana dispensaries, 439 of them. Now, L.A. is a big city, but this is the majority, the supermajority of the uh, these centers are being forced to close down, meaning all of their customers are going to have to go either back underground. Well, they're going to go to the, the politically uh, connected dispensaries, too. Or I mean, the 139 that why, will remain. Why is it that they're why these 139? I mean, don't you have to ask that question? Sure, I can see that you would. I can see why they would want to limit the amount of them or whatever. You don't want you don't want marijuana dispensaries near kids or whatever but why these 139 and i suspect the answer is is because well they've paid the right people they know the right people it's the politicians are doing what politicians always do they're they're rewarding their friends and they're punishing their enemies well let me get here into uh the story and we can find out because i remember when we last talked about it the, the basic suggestion was well we don't want these to be visible anymore we want them to be in the back warehouse districts and stuff like that mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see what they say here. The L.A. Times, they send, uh, they're sending letters out to all 439 dispensaries saying they need to shut down by June 7th. It's the first step in what could be a lengthy and expensive legal battle to regain control over pot sales. The letters, which were sent to both dispensary operators and property owners, warn that violators of the city's laws are a misdemeanor and could lead to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. Collectives that stay open after the deadline will also face could also face civil penalties of $2,500 per day no munchies for a month man asia greenberg the assistant city attorney says we're hopeful that the fact that we've given them more than 30 days to comply that a significant number of them will cease operating said the assistant's attorney who has handled most of the efforts to close the dispensaries la became the epicenter of the state's dispensary boom last year following the obama administration's announcement it would not prosecute medical marijuana stores that adhered to state law although the city had a moratorium but by the way it had it had been booming before that announcement i'd like to point out if you watch the super high me uh, documentary which is an entertaining uh, documentary about a guy that's uh, that smokes that quit smoking pot for 30 days and then smoked pot all day, every day for 30 days and documented the uh, the process. It was very interesting. Uh, but in there, he talks about the dispensaries opening up and he shows like 2006, how many there were, 2007, 2008, and, and that sort of thing. And you can see it going up. It just starts to dramatically go up. And that movie was made before Obama came on board. So I don't think it was just that. Anyway, although the city had a moratorium on new dispensaries, it failed to enforce the ban and hundreds opened with no oversight triggering complaints from neighborhood activists the letters were welcomed by city busy busy buddies busy buddies yeah letters were welcomed by city officials and activists as a sign the contentious issue which was first considered by the city council years ago is nearing resolution councilman ed reyes said we've arrived it's like being on a journey and saying are we there yet are we there yet it feels good that we have finally reached this threshold boy pat yourself on the back buddy you're a real hero Finally, 
We get to shut down these businesses, these men and women who have poured their hearts and souls and their money into investing into this this new business that they've opened up here with the purpose of serving people who are sick. Finally, we get to shut them down. It's crazy. It's a real special moment for me here on the city council. (laughs) You know, this guy who's really done nothing to... uh, I, I don't know what he's done in his entire life, but as a city council person, he just managed to be... Slightly less crappy than the other guy that uh, that he ran against. I mean, yep. that's what you know. In the marketplace, you have a whole bunch of choices to decide who you want to give your money to. When it comes to politics, you get two. You get the choice between two crap sandwiches. Michael Larson, the incoming president of the Eagle Rock Neighborhood Council, was the most tenacious spokesman for residents worried about unregulated dispensaries. He said. There's actually something happening based on an ordinance that we worked very hard to get into place. On that level, I am relieved. The truth about the actual enforcement, that will be a big question mark. Under the new ordinance, only dispensaries that registered with the city after the council adopted the moratorium will be allowed to operate. City officials estimate that more than 130 of the original 186 registered dispensaries are still in business. LAPD cased the city to find uh, to try to find every dispensary. Estimates from city officials and medical marijuana activists had ranged as high as a thousand, but the captain of the LAPD's gangs and narcotics division said we came up with less than six hundred, which is good. Greenberg said the city attorney's office will send out more letters if residents point out additional dispensaries. The she, cops couldn't find them. <laughs> she said we're I making mean, our one of the largest police forces in the world and they couldn't find all of them. She says we're making our best efforts and we're using information from really our eyes and ears out there, which is the community. She means the busybodies and the snitches. Uh because the community clearly there's a significant percentage of the community that appreciates these dispensaries. Otherwise the market wouldn't be able to bear six hundred plus dispensaries. If and there was no interest in this, there it, would be ten. It wouldn't have made it in a popular vote either. Two related lawsuits, uh, they could be stymied by court cases. Two related lawsuits filed by dispensaries are challenging the decision to close stores that didn't register under the moratorium. Uh, we're looking for a court to acknowledge our clients are unlawfully discriminated against, said one of the lawyers. Another lawyer with experience in marijuana issues is prepared to sue on behalf of patients, saying we're putting together a very comprehensive lawsuit to strike down the ordinance, uh, saying there's nothing that allows medical marijuana patients to be treated differently than, say, Vicodin patients. L.A. has tried twice to persuade dispensaries to shut down with mixed results. Uh, city prosecutors, this is not persuasion, by the way. Uh, persuasion is where you actually attempt to uh, persuade. They're not using persuasion, at least at this point. They're using violence and threats. City prosecutors sent letters last year ordering 53 stores to close after the city council denied their applications to operate despite the ban, and 28 did so. Yeah, that's, that's not persuasion. Earlier this year, letters were sent to landlords of 21 dispensaries targeted by LAPD undercover operations and six stores closed. McCarthy said he hopes most dispensaries will close voluntarily. He believes many operators are conscientious, but that others are not, saying, I don't know what percentage of them are knuckleheads, and because the money's pretty good, we're not going to get 100% compliance. That's all right. They'll just go in and do some armed police raids, and they'll give them the excuse to shoot some dogs. (laughs) Noting that medical marijuana is not the narcotics division's highest priority, he said it could take some time to determine which dispensaries remained open beyond the deadline, said his officers could focus on the biggest nuisances. Obviously, the ones the community is screaming about are the ones we are going to go to first. Screaming about patients with multiple sclerosis 
with uh, there's always going to be somebody out there that's complaining about your business. I don't care if you open up a marijuana dispensary, yep. an ice cream shop, or a uh, you know a, a hamburger joint. Yep. Somebody doesn't want you there. Uh, the, the you know here in Keene, and I, this goes on everywhere. But here in Keene, there's this uh, th- this crappy motel that's down the oh, street. God. It's uh, it's the closest thing you have is a no-tell motel crack yeah, uh, it's a whorehouse. Crack den. It's uh, you know it's it's awful. It's disgusting. It's right on the main drag. You see it. Somebody wanted to put in a beautiful four-story hotel there and the, the crazy the crazy nuts that live around it and i don't know where they are the houses aren't even that close but anybody who was in the um, immediate vicinity could come out and say anything and, no! and, and they didn't want it they didn't it was gonna be too high what about the traffic blah 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 blah, the blah. Sunlight. let's keep the crack house i mean that's the kind yeah. of idiotry idiotry <laughs> and moronity that you have to deal yeah. with when you ask yeah. the public in general for their opinion everybody's got an opinion when they don't have a penny on the line yeah so, uh, so there you have it. Oh, hey, speaking of uh, Keene, New Hampshire, Mark, you got a, an email here that I think is worthy of sharing. It's in direct response to us doing uh, the, the activists here doing uh, high school and middle school outreach. What uh, what did you get? Yeah, a guy writes in and says, uh, um, "I'm not going to give his name just because he gives some identifying information in here, so I don't want to give uh, okay. too much information." He says, "I love hear about hearing about your activism at the schools. I am a government teacher, and I was recently fired." with pay through August from <laughs> Liberty Sweet. High School for refusing to make my students say the Pledge of Allegiance. From Liberty High School. Teaching yep. my students to refuse searches. So he awesome. Talked, what a hero. Yeah. And I'm using the remainder of my pay to move my family to Keene, New Hampshire. Oh, that's excellent. I hope he comes over to forum.freekeen.com introduces himself. We've got all kinds of new folks gonna that, be are, a pork fest. that are moving up here. A lot of people coming to Porkfest for the first time this year. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Great place to go to learn more about an excellent event that is an absolute blast, and it's just weeks away. Uh, get your reservations in now. You want to get a campsite while they're still available. I heard rumor that there's only a few left. Yeah, you're not sleeping in my hotel. Uh, right there are only, but, uh, but yet I think only a couple hundred people are officially registered for the event. Yeah. So uh, get on the you registration. You can always show up uh, with your tent and you'll find somebody who'll let you it's likely, sleep that's likely on their site. The <laughs> but get on it. You can get the early bird discount at porkfest.com up through May 15th. So you got another 10 days to get registered and get the discount. It's been Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow night. See you then at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. Okay, and it's another edition of the Edgington Post, and I've got with me today uh, a guy who's uh, got a case that's headed toward the Supreme Court. Um, His name is Richard Hamlin. Uh, Richard, do I have that right? Yes, sir. It's not only headed for the Supreme Court, it's actually on the docket right now. Very good. Now, um, this this case is uh, it's different in a lot of ways than Heller, and it's a uh, and the Supreme Court kind of has 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 not really addressed a lot of Second Amendment issues in its its history, and um, that's because there you know it's only been the last hundred years or so that uh, there have been a lot of Second Amendment issues. So, um, t- tell me why your case is important. Well, uh, you're, you're quite right. The Supreme Court has only addressed the Second Amendment really once in its entire history, and that was in 1939 with, with a case called United States versus Miller. And uh, my case is uh, different uh, because I was a member of a legitimate, state-created, well-regulated militia. 
Okay. All the individual, all the cases that have, that have come before the court before have just been cases of individuals. So, um, and, and obviously the, the Second Amendment mentions malicious, right? Well, that's the main reason for the militia. I mean, for the Second Amendment. I mean, it says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The militia is the only institution that's described by the Constitution as necessary for a, uh, for the security of a free state, not the standing army, not anything else. It's, it's the sole institution that's so described that way. Interesting. Now, so uh, tell me the, the, the facts of the case. Tell me what happened. The facts of the case was that I was a member of the the, the Tennessee State Guard, which is we're calling the, the state militia of the state of Tennessee. It's created by an act of the legislature as a reserve armed force for the National Guard at any time when any or all of the National Guard is called into service elsewhere. In spite of the fact that it's, it was the, the law calls for it to be an armed force, the state fails to arm it. And, in fact, the, the state owns 21 obsolete M16A1 rifles for the entire 3,500-man authorized force. Okay, so, hold on. <laughs> let, me get, let me get that again. What? The state owned 16? State, 21. 21. M16 rifles. rifles. for the entire, yeah, for the entire force. And, you know, Tennessee is a long state, and they have them locked up in an armory in the middle of, uh, in the middle of the state. So if you're in Memphis or in, say, Kingsport... Uh, you can't. You don't have access to those weapons. In fact, the state does not even own any magazines, cleaning equipment, or ammunition for these, for these rifles. We, I know because we uh, we uh, had them issued out to us uh, for uh, range training at our annual what they call summer camp, and I had to, and I ran the range one year, and I had to buy, I had to bring my own uh, magazines, my own ammunition. They now, didn't even own any. And there's 3,100 members of the militia currently? I think it's uh, – 35, is, I think, is what they're authorized. Uh, the membership varies, you know, with, with the tenor of the times. Sure. It's an all-volunteer force. Uh, everybody has to su- supply their own uh, uniforms and equipment. Uh, they don't get paid for any of the time they come, uh, so on and so forth. So, I mean, it is really a citizen army, just like the Constitution envisions. And um, now these, you know, they, they come into the, they do their practice and that kind of thing. And obviously, um, Tennessee isn't spending a bunch of money um, on on this force. So, um, what happened? What, what are, I guess we should go farther in the facts of the case. Yeah, well, I was I was uh, I, I joined in 1999, and I became uh, rose up to of uh, a commission officer. Uh, you know, I had a commission bearing the seal of the state of Tennessee. And I, and I had a state-issued ID card, so I became commander of the 201st Military Police Battalion. And uh, I remember, I'm, you probably remember all the hubbub around uh, uh, running up to the invasion of Iraq. They were talking about the uh, smallpox inoculation, mass inoculation of the population, and so forth, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, in the protocols that were being devised, the State Guard was chosen to be the security element for these uh, for these clinics. That uh, were going to be set up because they assumed that the army and, and the uh, the police forces were going to be uh, occupied elsewhere. So uh, here I am envisioning putting my men out on a, on a perimeter to, to protect one of these clinics, and all of a sudden, some good old boy with all his relatives and all their shotguns and rifles shows up and says, "I ain't waiting till next Tuesday to get my shot. I want it today." And uh, you know, here here we are armed with nothing other than our sticks sticks in our bare hands or yeah, rocks we can pick up. <laughs> right. So I'm saying I'm saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to make them stop. So what I did, I chose to exercise my Second Amendment right, which is, you know, well-regulated militia necessary for the security of the free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I, uh, I remanufactured weapons that are, in the, the words of the Supreme Court in, in Miller, part of the ordinary military equipment 
of the type in common use at the time that could reasonably contribute to the common defense, which were nine machine guns. You can buy demilitarized kits through the mail or gun shows. They're, they're sold as spare parts kits, but they're relatively easy to uh, remanufacture into a working condition. Mm-hmm. I didn't convert any weapons. I mean, I built, I built what was a standard issue, you know, armament of the National Guard, uh, which is, uh, you know, a machine gun. This, this is the same uh, uh, thing that shows up in the oral arguments to Heller. There was an exchange between uh, Paul Clement, who is the uh, Lister General uh, for the United States, and uh, Justice Scalia, where uh, Clement, this is during Heller now, said, we think it would be extremely difficult, meaning he's a lawyer for the, for the United States, to say, to argue that the one weapon that's not protected by the Second Amendment is that which is a standard issue armament of the National Guard, which is the machine gun. Right. And he was cut off real quick by Justice uh, Roberts, who said, well, this case, meaning Heller, didn't involve a restriction on machine guns, did it? And, and of course, it, it didn't, so they just, they just let it drop it down. So, um, so I, uh, I, made, I made these weapons, and I kept them in my, my place of business. I mean, you know, not only does the Second Amendment say bear arms, it says you have a right to keep arms, which means to possess them. And uh, so uh, um, through a chain of events, I'm not really sure what happened. They came knocking on my door one day and, and uh, allowed me to surrender my weapons to them and then got around to indicting me about 18 months later, and, and they weren't offering any satisfactory plea bargains. So I said, if they want to push it, well, they want to fight, I'll go to court and that's what we did. We, we went to trial, and I, I got duly convicted, and I served 13 months in a federal prison. They put you in the pokey for uh, making weapons for your for your uh, uh, the, the militia that the, the militia that they uh, established. Yes, in fact, my, my, my trial judge, I, I got I got to say, was pretty fair to me. He, he called me a misguided patriot in my sentence, but that didn't stop him from going ahead and locking me up. Yeah, uh, we've been appealing it ever. We've been appealing it ever since, and now we're. Uh, we're back up at the Supreme Court again. This is the second time we've been to the Supreme Court, actually. So um, now, how I know I know that your case. You know, I mean, it's on the docket. What what's the expectation? Is what's going to going to happen there at the Supreme Court? I mean, I'd say based on uh, based on the last six years of experience. I mean, this has been going on since uh, they came to see me in like April of two thousand and four, uh, and I got uh, indicted in December of two thousand and five, and convicted in May of uh, well, in June of two thousand and six, and went to prison shortly thereafter. Based on my, you know, the last six years of experience, I'd say probably zero. And the reason being is because the uh, Supreme Court doesn't have to take your case if they don't feel like it. Uh, since 1923, they've had absolute discretion over the court cases which they accept. And if they don't want to address an issue because it's either uncomfortable for them or inconvenient or they have to contradict themselves, which is what they're doing with the gun laws, they just won't take it. They won't. They won't they'll just, and there's no, there's no recourse you have to it. I'm only up there this time. Uh, because of a real of habeas corpus appeal that we had after the Heller decision in 2007. So, um, in fact, my case, my case, the first time, the first time we appealed was at the court at the very same time as Heller's case was being considered, and they just denied me without any comment. And um, but I mean, you're on the docket, and they could still deny you. Yes, I mean, just because I'm on the docket means we, they've they've accepted the appeal, they've accepted the documents we sent to them. They'll, you know, we've got a number, it's 09-9990, I believe is what it is, which means it's on their calendar, but, you know, very. the Supreme Court only takes, uh, I think, something like 6% of the cases that are submitted to them in a given year. So, uh, and, they, and they don't have to give you a reason for it if they don't want to hear you. And, yeah. it, and there's no recourse from it. I mean, they're, they're the Supreme Court, you know. Right. They do it because they can. So, um, if they do take it, it could be pivotal in the areas of machine guns and militias and, and all that stuff, Right. Well, it, it could be because in my, my personal philosophy is that you cannot divorce 
the militia clause from the Second Amendment, because along with the right to keep and bear arms comes the responsibility or even the obligation to keep and bear arms. In 1939, the Supreme Court recognized this in United States versus Miller because they said a number of things. Uh, a lot of people think that the Miller decision in 39 uh, upheld the National Firearms Act 1934. And uh, it, it didn't really. Uh, because of the circumstances, uh, it uh, sent the case back down to the, the originating district for further evidentiary proceedings because the Supreme Court is not an evidentiary body. You have to, they have to look only what's in the record and, and judge on that. Uh, because of the circumstances of the case, when it got back down there, there were two defendants originally in Miller. One of them had been murdered by the time it got to the Supreme Court. By the time it, when it got sent back down, the, uh, the second uh, surviving defendant decided to plead guilty. But in their ruling, if you read the United States versus Miller, it says several things. It says, number one, the founders clearly intended that the militia consisted of everyone physically capable of bearing arms. That sounds like a pretty universal right to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that when they were called up to service, they were supposed to show up bearing weapons provided by themselves that are part of the ordinary military equipment of the type in common use at the time, which could reasonably contribute to the common defense. In fact, that's the very question that we're presenting to the Supreme Court in my case, is whether or not the Second Amendment guarantees members of a legitimate state-authorized militia the right to keep and bear arms supplied by themselves of the kind in common use at the time. And well, that- if you tie that in with the exchange from between just, uh, Justice uh, Scalia and Solicitor General, you, you see that they understand clearly the implications of this case, which means, which is that if, I'm, uh, if my, if my uh, conviction is overturned and the law is declared unconstitutional, then every single gun law in the country is null and void. Well, uh, but yeah, what I was hearing there from the, the Miller case in, in 1939 was it, it sounded like the Supreme Court had the expectation that, A, every able-bodied man uh, would be a member of the militia, and B, every one of those people would supply their own machine gun in order to go to battle. Is, is that the idea? Yes, it, it, it absolutely is. And it's, it, that's pretty much the, the way the Swiss model is, although the Swiss actually yeah. issue, issue out the weapons to the individual citizen, but he is, the citizen is then required to keep it in operating condition, train with it, and keep the uh, keep the gun loaded in effect because they're supposed to have what is, in effect, a select fire or a fully automatic rifle yeah, it's, close it's, at hand next to the ammunition. So when they're, when they're called up, they can uh, uh, they can respond just like the Minutemen. I mean, that's, that's what the tradition was in this country, and that's what the Supreme Court recognized in 1939. They were very clever about it because uh, the, the case in, in Miller's centered around a, a short-barreled shotgun. Uh, what Miller uh, consisted of was that there were two bootleggers. I mean, they were really criminals, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, they failed to pay a $200 registration tax on what was a sawed-off, a $7 sawed-off shotgun. Uh, when it went to, initially, they tried to plead guilty to a charge, because back then they just made you pay a small, small fine and confiscated your weapon, and that was pretty much it. The trial, the uh, judge in the district actually uh, talked them into withdrawing their plea, which they did, and found them an attorney who would represent them, and he entered a demurrer or a challenge to the indictment. Uh, so the trial that they had consisted of the indictment, the demurrer, and then the judge ruled case dismissed because it's beyond the police power of the United States, and the Second Amendment protects you know firearms, so therefore it's gone. So you had no conviction in that case. The government then proceeded to appeal directly to the Supreme Court. When it got to the Supreme Court, the lawyer that was appointed for the, the two defendants said, wrote to the court and said, I can't afford, this is 1939, remember, he said, I can't afford to go to Washington. It's okay with me if the prosecution presents 
all the evidence in this matter. So when it got up there, uh, the prosecution made their case, and that's where you have all this stuff about collective right and the taxing authority and the necessary and proper clause and all that kind of the commerce clause and all this kind of stuff. Well, in spite of that, the Supreme Court, when they 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 uh, wrote their opinion, they just zeroed in on the fact that it was a sawed-off shotgun and there was a there was no evidence in the, in the trial record saying that this could be any part of the ordinary military equipment, implying that if there were such evidence, then they say, of course, it's protected by the Second Amendment. Your you know your indictment is quashed and, and you're and you're free to go. Uh, it would have been very easy to introduce this kind of evidence because in World War One, the United States bought somewhere around 30 or 50,000 uh, sawed-off shotguns for use by our troops in the trench warfare in 1918. And, in fact, the German army complained to the Hague Convention, this is prior to the Geneva Convention, about the uh, brutality of such weapons. So, I mean, that's evidence right there that it was an effective uh, militia-type weapon. Sure. Because, if, uh, if I was doing trench warfare, a sawed-off shotgun might come in, come in handy. And, you know, and the fact is the United States Army bought them. I mean, they use them, and they still do. They buy short-barrel shotguns now for by use by the police. But, uh, so, but because of that... Uh, when it got back down to the uh, to the district courts for further action, the, the, the remaining the surviving defendant decided, well, I think I'll just go ahead and accept this plea bargain for five years probation and plead guilty, which is what he did. And so that's what uh, that's what the United States is basing their entire gun control regime on top of. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't even it know that it was. It is. I had no idea that it was this <laughs> that tenuous. Yes, it really is. I had I had an inkling of it, and I really didn't know until I really jumped into it further. Because one thing that struck me about the original Miller decision was the conclusion. It says the case is remanded. Well, remand is a very specific legal term. It has you know it has a specific meaning, which is to send it back to the original court of jurisdiction for further further action. So uh, in effect, Miller was a you know was a case that was never adjudicated. The Supreme Court never neither neither ruled in favor of it nor against it. So, I mean, it's an open issue as far as we're concerned. Now, fast forward to Heller in 2007, okay? That was a contrived case which had a very narrow question because the question presented there was, does the District of Columbia uh, have the authority to to ban handguns while allowing rifles and shotguns? I mean, it's a very narrow uh, question compared to mine, which goes to the heart of it. You know, mine's about, well, you know, if you're... If you're of the militia, which we have defined as everybody, then you have the right to maintain those weapons to make you know to uh, to, to where you can fulfill your duty. Military uh, weapons. Yeah, you can be an you know you can be a well-regulated militia by having military-grade weapons. So when it gets up to the Supreme Court in uh, in under Heller, Justice Scalia selectively quotes from Miller to support his contention in Heller that the Second Amendment only protects those weapons which are. Of the type in common use by lawful citizens for law-abiding purposes, which is kind of a, a circular argument because I mean it's like, well, Your Honor, what's the, uh, you know, what's the? It's like saying the Second Amendment is subject to reasonable regulation, and you say, well, Your Honor, what's reasonable? And the answer is, well, anything we tell you. Absolutely, that's exactly you know, so what they uh, say. Well, it's exactly, and it's exactly what they do. Yeah. But to get to that, uh, Scalia had to selectively uh, misquote Miller. In fact, he even. Uh, misrepresented what, the, what Miller was about. He said that Miller consisted of the defendants appealing their conviction for their possession of a sawed-off shotgun, which wasn't the case at all. It was it was uh, uh, the United States government appealing the dismissal. Hmm. And because he says, oh, well, he only zeroed in on the, uh, the phrase, in common use. Well, if you look at the full quote, which is part of the ordinary military equipment, a type in common use, which can contribute to a common defense, it gives a whole new meaning to... Uh, uh, to that, uh, you know, that distinction. In fact, it, it, when you really get down to it, as our troops were finding out in Iraq and Afghanistan, practically any weapon could be used to kill you. 
So Indeed. therefore, it, it can be it's a suitable militia weapon, and the militia really is it's a last ditch defense. And it was uh, because Constitution envision uh, didn't really wasn't really in favor of a standing army. You yeah. know, they want they wanted to have a defensive force uh, which was less liable to abuse. You know, foreign adventures and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's why they 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 put the relent the the, the uh, preponderance of reliance on the militia. That's why that army appropriations or military appropriations for the standing armies have to be renewed every two years so they don't become permanent. Right. The militia, on the other hand, is permanent, and it belongs to the states. And uh, uh, it, it can only be called in for three discrete occasions. And the only time when the uh, uh, the United States has any authority over the militia is when it's called in the service of, actual service of the United States. So that kind of gets into another issue of mine, which is states' rights, too, because since I wasn't in the actual service of the United States, then the United States really had no jurisdiction over my conduct in the militia. Makes if sense. anybody should have been disciplining me, it should have been the state. The state that was uh, that had uh, an entire whopping twenty one uh, M sixteens for you guys, Richard. I, I think I thank you for your time. I'm I've got to run, but uh, if people want to get involved in some way and 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 you know help, how can they do that? Well, they can or they can email me at r a hamblin h a m b l e n at gmail dot com. I have. Uh, the court documents are posted at esniff.com backslash web that black, uh, slash uh, Hamblin versus the United States. You can see you can see Miller, you can see Heller, you can see my case documents, so we, you can see our latest petition for writ of certiorari and so on. And, and I really do appreciate you giving me this time to speak because the worst thing that could happen in all of this if it all goes down and nobody knows about it. And that's yeah. what the intention of the government has been because they haven't given me any there haven't been any publicity, any press releases. I never had to post a bond. I self-surrendered. It was just like they wanted me to go. They they weren't really sure how to handle me, so they just kind of kept it low key. And uh, the only way they're going to uh, take this issue is if enough public awareness is developed. Uh, that, that they have to, because believe me, they'll if they can get away with it, they will. Now, real quick, uh, give that web address again because that was uh, kind of a convoluted one. Eastdiff dot com backslash web backslash uh, Hamblin versus United States. Okay, thank you very much, Richard. Thank you, sir. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.